Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> sweaty just from being around (laughs) just from being around you know that feels like something that would happen in an apocalypse of mist (laughs) okay genuinely though how humid do you think this apocalypse was okay well it's Maine you tell me what Maine is like it was relatively humid I mean because you're is it like hot though? Is yes. it like sixty and humid, or is it like ninety and humid? Well, okay. When I was there, oh, speaking of, we're talking about the mist. We're just real quick, so everyone knows. <laughs> we're talking about the mist. This will all tie in. Yeah. Real quick, I'll make it uh-huh. tie in. We're talking about the mist. Takes place in Maine. It yes. takes place specifically in Bridgerton, Maine, which yes. is actually where I lived for a camp. Ooh. The town. That's so cool. It was the nearest town, so it was about yeah, like yeah. ten minutes from like the camp. Very, very, very cute town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. It was it was pretty humid and no it was genuinely hot like okay. but it was also an unusually hot summer I was told okay because it was like ninety most days and a little humid we were up really high so like we got a good amount of wind and stuff especially coming off like the water yeah I think especially on like one particularly big hill you could yeah. be like yes the air I think I have unrealistic but, expectations for what Maine is geographically it, and climatically. <laughs> I mean, it definitely stayed cooler. Yeah. Like, I had more cool days there than I, I had here this okay. summer. You know, like, obviously, I told you about every day at camp this summer where I was, like, dripping, dripping sweat yeah. every day. And parents would be like, how hot is it out there? Parents wouldn't even roll their windows down all the way to, like, say hi to me. They'd be like, hi, with their, like, tiny little. And I'd be like, yes, do not get any of that sweet air conditioning onto my peasant face. It was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I need to tell you how me and my friends measured heat in college. Oh, no. I might have already told you off I'm the worried. Um, okay, so if you've ever wondered, human testicles are 97 degrees. And <laughs> so we wanted to know, because we were scientific, industrious folks. Yes. Yeah. When someone said hot as balls, we were, how hot are balls? And so we Googled how yeah, hot are balls. We gotta know. 97 degrees. Wow. And so we would give like a T minus balls to right. be like the temperature. Wow. So it'd be like, it's balls minus four today. Or like balls plus three. This yeah. is the only time I'm going to say this ever. Balls are hot. Yeah, they are. Like that's wild. Toasty. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I will never, ever feel bad for a man. But mm. then again, I'm sorry that uh, your balls are so hot. What do you think the inside... No, I'm not getting into it. Not right now. Mm-mm, we, mm-mm, we're talking about the mist. I'm sorry. We're talking if about this the is mist. your first episode, sorry. Um, <laughs> then again, it will never be as bad. We had another one that was like real, real bad in the beginning. And was I'm it not... when you had COVID? <laughs> That's its own special thing. That's when I had no energy and I was like crying. I was like... <laughs> I have a picture of you crying in That poor room. picture. Kate has a picture of us recording and I look like I... I just... I look like somebody... I don't know. I don't know. Murdered someone I love dearly in front of me. And before it sounds like I'm really mean, I didn't see Nikki crying and take a picture. I was trying to get a funny picture of how <laughs> ridiculous my desktop was. It's like this great photo of Kate being like, look how silly my desktop is. And I'm in the background like, <laughs> I am unwell. <laughs> I picked up at the last bit of the episode. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. in the beginning, I was like, we're talking about a movie. 
So if that's your first episode, sorry. If yeah. this is your first episode, eh, sorry. This if is the one that I'm thinking of that I can't remember why it's bad is your first episode, sorry. Is it the one that I started with the goose honk? Because no. I did start one of the them. The goose honk, they love. They People we, love it. Yeah. We started one really, really gross one time, and I don't remember oh. what we said. If anyone remembers, hit me up. But we did Couldn't start episode once, and it was like, what did you say? Soul sperm. That, that was, was it. the end of an episode. No, there was another one. But yes, okay. we've had... I have to know now. I really do have to know. We'll figure it out. Tell me so what the worst the opening has been for you. <laughs> Let's start a poll. <laughs> Everyone's worst opening. We're talking about the mist. We're talking about the mist. We're talking about this. Um, so I've got a few facts. Facts. Some facts about the mist. Facts. F-J-A-C-T-S. <laughs> Would you like to hear some facts? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it was made in 2007. But it is based on the 1980 novella. I know what a novella is because I asked Kate. <laughs> I was about to say, are you going to take credit for this? Oh, God, no. You can't copy off my work. <laughs> I don't Teacher. learn. Teacher. <laughs> don't learn without you. <laughs> no, based on the novella The Mist by Stephen King. Uh, the film was written and directed by Frank Darabont. Is that how you say it? You Have you done? Honestly, I didn't do a Google. I think it's Dar- Darabont instead yeah. of Darabont, but I'm not yeah. positive. I was like going to look into his like background. I was like, if it's French, maybe I could possibly know. But I'm just like Darabont. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm like, it sounds French. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> I did that to hurt you. Scream. <laughs> I will not give you more facts. Oh, no. That's what I thought. Don't, hey. don't punish the listeners for my sins. If they're speaking French, they don't deserve it. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so Frank Darabont. Darabont. <laughs> Did you like that? He was the screenwriter also for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, Dream Warriors, The Blob, mm-hmm. The Fly 2, um, and he also directed The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. Yes. Yeah. So, and he actually did those two before this one. Yes. Which is funny because he originally planned to do this one. Like, he was like, oh, I really want to do The Mist. And then he was like, no, I'll just do these two real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually was like, all right, we'll do The Mist. Yeah. Um, so cinematography, I don't know if it's Ron or Ron because it's R-O-H-N. But next to the name, it said sometimes goes by R-O-N-N. Hmm. So it makes me think that it might be Ron. And yeah. so it's either Ron or Ron. Um, but the cinematographer, so he's also done Beastmaster 2. Men of War, Star Kid, and The Walking Dead. Like uh, some episodes. Okay. Um, I got distracted because Goose is in my wine caddy. <laughs> I was like, what are you looking at? <laughs> Goose, you love wine. She does. She's a lush. Ugh, love her. Um, I, can all, I can see how The Walking Dead kind of looks like this one. Yeah. I, that's the only one of the films that were listed that I've seen. Like, not a film, TV but show, yeah. some of the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, I could see that. Okay, it's been a long time. It's been since a long I've time. Walking Dead, but from what I remember, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it has like some similar vibes. A lot of close-ups, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the music was Mark Isham. Uh, he's also done The Hitcher, Point Break, A River Runs Through It, Of Mice and Men, Warrior, Nell, Blade, Crash, The Black Dahlia, and everyone's favorite show, Once Upon a Time, Baby. No. <laughs> You're kidding me. I'm not. That's what I laughed at when this I was goes out like, to your roommate. <laughs> I know. My roommate and Once Upon a Time, name a, be- name a more iconic duo. She's going to hate me for that. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> it's Once Upon a Time. What a mess. I love it, though. Oh, God. It's a mess. Once Upon a Mess. Once Upon a Mess. That's for sure. Okay, the budget. Yes. Uh, the budget was $18 million. 
Do you know how much it made? You can do this. All your bliss. 30 million. Not bad. It's 57.3 million. Okay, I was on the right side yes. of I was like, you knew that it was yeah. more than, yeah, yeah it, made a, it made a solid amount. So okay, okay, okay. I don't, I mean, I don't think I really, I don't know if I was super interested in horror yet to the point where yeah. I would have known this one or seen like marketing for it. I was 14 and still a scaredy cat. I was going to say, I was like, I think I was probably, if I'm, what, two years older than you, like 15, 16 maybe? Yeah. So I probably was like, eh. I don't know. High school, I wasn't super into it yet. I think yeah. end of high school is when I started to be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't see any marketing, but apparently it did well. Huh. So. Fascinating. 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 <laughs> All right. Here we go. Some fun facts. Yes. So. Derebon. 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 Don't listen to me. It's fake. Whatever. That was my Daffy Duck impression, apparently, on accident. great. Thank you. Daffy Duck is French. (laughs) (laughs) No! I just lied to make your day worse. (laughs) How dare you. Darabont didn't want to follow the contemporary style of movies at the time, uh, Mm -hmm. doing torture porn, but he instead wanted a more quaint approach to the monsters and fear of the unknown. Uh, He also said, it's people at each other. Wanted to highlight the element of fear and how it uh, compelled people to act differently. He said, it's Lord of the Flies that happens to have some cool monsters in it. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it really is. He nailed it. I was like, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. Also, Darabont originally attempted to film The Mist digitally, but he said it looked too beautiful, Um, which absolutely fair because it's in a very beautiful location. It's supposed to be a little bit grittier. Yes. So he actually switched to uh, 400 ASA from Fujifilm, Mm -hmm. and it added a really grainy effect to it. Not really, but I would say like enough that, you know... It just made it look, uh, not old is not the word, but just like, I don't know. Yeah. Funky, scary. Yeah. So those are my fun facts. Yeah. But. Fascinating. Yeah, right? I really liked that. I was excited to learn because like, I, it's not a movie that I would watch and immediately be like, that's film. Yeah. Because it's 2007 and that's at that, that borderline where it's like, could be film, could be digital. It's at that time where like both still kind of existed. Yeah. Um, we had one like that recently where. I could not for the life of me find if it was filmed digitally or on film, and I was pissed. I know that for Juwan, we were like, why is this so old? Yeah. Um, and I, maybe it was that one, but there was one where I just couldn't find it, and I was like, why? But So this one, I'm glad they said that, because it's not one I would have guessed, but now yeah. I understand why it has that look. Yeah. I remember a few times in the film, I was like utterly taken out of it because of like the zoom on someone's face, yes. and I was like... This is, like, getting so close to the office. I know. And it, they, then I read, like, some of the background, and they had so many cameras going in so many different angles that yeah. were unexpected and unplanned, so right. it felt more like a documentary. That's what he wanted, like yeah. a found footage documentary type thing. Yeah. And so it's like, I get the vibe they were going for, but the dramatic zoom in on someone's face just fucking... It was intense. Yeah. It, like, would sometimes surprise me. I'd be like, at how close? I'd be like, absolutely, moment for a close-up. Great moment. Yeah. But how close? I'm like, relax. And the way it zoomed in was yes. just like, oh. you're like, oh, like, <laughs> like the Mr. Krabs meme where he's like, yeah. or like <laughs> me with the handheld that my mom had when I was 10. Right. And I'm like, like zoom, not that much. <laughs> it, it did surprise me. There were some shots where I was like, oh, beautiful. And then yeah. there were some where I was like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> but I understand that yeah. they, they had a lot of cameras. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like, I wonder if they did shoot some of it digitally, because originally he did, and then yeah. he was like, oh, no. So maybe the switch messed with stuff. I don't know. But to say? I have to summarize it. I know. 
Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. A mist rolls into a small town in Maine, mm-hmm. and it's hiding a sinister secret. That was beautiful. Thank you. God damn. Do you like that one? Yeah. Thanks. You even had like the alliteration of sinister secret. Right? Like, yeah. ooh, what is it? That was great. Stop. I'm kind of ashamed <laughs> of the one that I pulled now. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to avoid the, oh, things get bad. <laughs> People die. Someone's cut in half. It's like I give away too much and give nothing also. Uh, <laughs> you go, girl. Give us nothing. <laughs> That's me. I posted that meme last week. I know. <laughs> Ever since I've just been using it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. What do they say? Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Has a summary. Of course. That I uh, literally have not read until this moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be what I say. And I'll be like, oh, I, I copied it. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. After a powerful storm damages their main home, David Drayton and his young son head into town to gather food and supplies. Soon afterward, a thick fog rolls in and engulfs the town, trapping the Draytons and the others in the grocery store. Terror mounts as deadly creatures reveal themselves outside. But that may be nothing compared to the threat within where a zealot calls for a sacrifice. <gasps> that's good. Yeah. I actually like that quite a bit. Because yeah. it like it gave enough where it's like, yeah, okay, that's the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, you're not spoiling anything. No. And then it was like, but humans are the monsters all along, right? Yes. Like, yeah. And also describing it as like a zealot, I think... Um, is so extreme that you're like, oh, it can't be someone in the grocery store. It wouldn't, right? Yes. Certainly not the sweet old lady with yes, the scarf and gloves. <sighs> she scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about her. Jesus Christ. I have so many tropes just for her. I organized my tropes into like three subcategories. She was one of them. Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited also. I have no idea what you're going to do for Nerd Corner. I Can I take a, a small yeah. guess? Yeah. Is it climate related? No. No. Not climate related. I've been really trying to save my climate-related thing for a movie that I can, like, really like real, dig my Like, like mirrors, into. where it's, like, really getting into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm waiting for mirrors. Mirrors and climate it's change. It's coming. Okay. I was just, like, because, like, the mist and everything yeah. and how it's, like, bad. And I was, yeah. like, all right, all right. This seems like it oh, could, no. you know. That could have been the avenue. Okay. Yeah. All right. What is it? Not gonna lie. This is another kind of 13 ghost situation <laughs> in some respects. After the movie, I was like, what do I cover? <laughs> what? What? That's my opening woo. <laughs> uh, this has cosmic horror themes of, first and foremost, tentacles. I know. Uh, so, like, do I talk about weird fiction? No, I already did that. And then I thought about how it really foregrounds human relationships mm-hmm. and specifically crowd dynamics. Yes. So I wanted to see if I could dust off my psych degree. It's getting quite dusty to see what I could analyze there. And uh, from there, I spiraled into questions. So fair warning. I can't wait. Lots of questions. So we're going to start off with kind of the most direct allegory that this movie can represent, even Mm -hmm. though it was not intended to be as such. And I'll get into that. Okay. When this came out in 2007, it was only a few years after 9-11. The director spoke about that in many interviews. And the correlation between 9-11 and the actions of the mist are fairly straightforward. But it wasn't, like, I think I have a quote from him later. It wasn't, like, intentional. Like, he was always going to make this movie. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, to get back to that, for example, there's a sudden event of unimaginable proportions. Mm -hmm. The denizens of Maine have never seen a strange mist with otherworldly creatures lunging out of it and yoinking you into it. And several interviewers referenced how the immediate moments after the mistrals in mirrored the experience and footage of 9-11. What happened yeah. in the minutes after the first plane struck? 
cloud of debris, screams, confusion, running. That's basically the mist. If you swap out a cloud of building debris with mist from another plane of existence. Right. Almost the same thing, though. Um, The similarities don't end there, obviously. We have several different tacks from folks within the supermarket, but one ends up winning out in terms of the power dynamics within the supermarket. And we have Carmody's congregation and their fundamentalism born of fear. Millennials remember this hot thing, uh, the invasion of Afghanistan in late oh, 2001. God. Yeah. Uh, as well as the later invasion of Iraq in 2003. Yeah. So we remember Bush leaning on a type of patriotism rooted in white Christian identity. Mm-hmm. Now, Bush was probably not quoting Revelations and talking about end times in the same way, but there are definite ties that the director was very aware of. Right. So a direct quote. I think my idea for what the mist was going to be was pretty intact prior to that event. I think what changed after 9-11 was my determination to make the movie. It felt like it was more relevant than ever. The issues it deals with are timeless. It deals with extremism. It deals with the mental condition of fascism. It deals with mom mentality. These things have always been around, but it just went from being a timeless story to a very timely story to me. And that's what really made me want to buckle down and do it. The intention was always there, but 9-11 just sort of reinvigorated the need to do it. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, in another interview, he says it's a, quote, microcosm of our culture because, quote, reasonable people are getting ground up in the machinery and agendas of the unreasonable people who are in power. It, it's so weird that we're talking about this specifically because I just watched, I've been watching that show, The Boys. Yeah. Very intense. One yeah. of the most intense shows I've ever Dang. seen. And this is not me saying, like, everyone go watch The Boys. But this is me saying that there was a scene that stuck with me so hard that I was like, oh, my God. And it was, obviously, this came out after Trump, so this was supposed yeah. to be about that. But yeah. very similar, where it's, like, reasonable people are being, you know, riled up by, like, unreasonable people. Yeah. Because it was this guy just, like, seeing the news every single day and hearing it in his iPad or his iPod yeah. and then this and then that. And, like, constantly hearing the superhero be like, we have to act on those different than us, supervillains, supervillains, this and that. And then he goes and shoots someone that he Fuck. just assumes is a supervillain yeah. and they're not. Yeah. And I obviously very heavy handed to be racism. We know that. Yeah. And it's like, it was hard to watch because it was a normal guy, yeah. you know, just being like, I go to the store every single day and this guy hands me my food. But now I think he's a supervillain because I'm constantly hearing this woman be like, they're evil. They're evil. They're coming over from the borders. They're evil. Literally, they were saying they were coming from other countries. Mm. And it was hard to watch because yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it was rough. So when you said that, I was like, holy shit. I just saw that, and it was like, whew, it, like, shook me. <laughs> Do you want to know a foolish thing? I did relate hmm. to that. Uh, so I saw that uh, gif from mm-hmm. the boys of when, like, the crowd's cheering. He, like, so slowly smiles. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. And I texted that to your roommate, and I said, is this a Marvel movie? <laughs> I know you did. Because <laughs> she immediately told me about it, and I laughed so hard. Because, I mean, that's the whole point, is it's, like, it's mocking, like, right-wing politics and marvel kind of at the same time and like at least that's what i'm taking from it if i if, if it, you're watching it and you're not do what you want but that's what it is so when you sent that i was like because <laughs> the person that's in the, the gif is one of the worst people in oh. the world like he is i could tell by his slimy smile oh he was a, he's a psychopath like he is oh. disgusting and when you sent that i went oh <laughs> no <laughs> i was like listen i don't like marvel but get him out of there listen all i knew was <sighs> there is a hero in hero wear yeah right who has heroes marvel i will say very good show <laughs> now i am actually saying it's good uh-huh. i mean if you can handle it if you can't handle it don't do it if you can't handle it watch wellington paranormal there you on go HBO Max, there you which go is what i've been doing it for took a month. me 
like I'm not I I binge shows that's what I do you know I've got time I'm unemployed not anymore but um, I was unemployed so I've been binging shows but I have to take like full two-week breaks on this one because I'm like like, oh it straight up makes me nauseous so yeah the 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 hating people just because someone else convinces you to hate someone is um a horrible thing I'm glad you're talking about this is an interesting I like this one Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Sorry so, to get off there. <laughs> um, I'm very upset because clearly I don't want discussion. I just said get off again. Like that one time we were talking about Halloween and I went, oh, it's time to get off. And then I went, no. no. <laughs> That's not what I meant. What'd you have with the father and the daughter? <laughs> I don't know what I said. I said something about like erects or shit or something and you were like, no. <laughs> you caught that one before I did. I always do. You're and like, then I'm I want to like, take that back. And I was like, you can go one more again? <laughs> I should just stop bringing it up because no one would have noticed if I said I didn't mean to go off. Amazing. Go ahead. Gorgeous. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie yes. was released in the late aughts and it was it has very clear ties to fear-mongering mm-hmm. and engages with the interplay between fear and power in a much smaller setting. Yeah. A grocery store in a small East Coast town versus the entirety of the U.S. and its military. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where all of our money goes. Hmm. But as the director said, he was always going to make this movie. Yes. It was written before 9-11. Uh, the original novella was published in the 80s. I was going to say, he had plans to make it before yep. all the other ones. Yeah. Yep. Stephen King has been asked if it was influenced by Vietnam, and he was very wishy-washy on his answer. He was, at best, non-committal, and at worst, evasive. <laughs> That's my personal reading of the interview. He's just going, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's like, oh, Paul. And then the director going, yes. <laughs> oh, I get into that. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, King was asked if it was written about the Vietnam War, and yeah. he was like, the war was over when I wrote this. I was actually suffering from writer's block. A friend wanted me to submit to an anthology, and then this, quote, I happened to be in the local market one time, and uh, a lot of people were shopping, little town market, and I looked at the front windows, and I thought, you know, if something bad happened, those windows would all bowl in, because that's the way I think. It's not necessarily a good thing, but it's been profitable over the years. And uh, I thought about it, molded it over, and the story came out of it. And I've always been grateful to the mist, because it kind of broke me out of a place where I couldn't seem to do anything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, story came very naturally and in terms of Vietnam or any other conflict if you're writing seriously by which I mean trying as hard as you can the issues that are in your mind the things you've been through all are going to play a part okay he was then asked about religious fundamentalism and Mm -hmm. he says quote well Mrs. Carmody was there back then and Mrs. Carmody in Frank's movie is very much the Mrs. Carmody that was in the story and uh, you know I don't want to go out there and make political statements I'm a storyteller and Frank's Please. a storyteller. I cannot wait to hear this director being like, cracks knuckles. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm a storyteller. Frank's a storyteller. And that's that's what we do. But I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you're trying to do your best work, uh, these things are going to come up. And they're going to become part of the story. And uh, people are going, I'm not adding these uhs. They're in the interview. Uh, uh, people are going to ask questions about it. Is The Mist a political story? Is The Mist a story that has to do with the dangers of entrenched religion, fundamentalist religion? Is the Mist a story about red versus blue? I'm not going to answer any of those questions. You go see the movies, and those those questions will come up, and maybe you'll discuss them. If it serves as a springboard, that's great. <laughs> that's him saying, yes, but don't make me say it. <laughs> Compared to Darabont's response. Oh, yeah. In a different interview, where the interviewer <laughs> mentions that they have a friend who interprets it as like a conservative tract. Yeah. And he said, conservative? Oh, no, baby. That's an outrage liberal tract. He's just so clear. His intent is like, what? 
And like he is very gracious in this interview because yeah. the person is like, yeah, my friend reads it this way because of like the way that this character is developed mm-hmm. and they read it as operating conservatively right. or being like on the side of conservative politics. And he was like, oh my God, no, that wasn't my intent. But listen, if it's making people think, like everyone can think what they want. Right. But he is very much on the side of, I'm a fucking liberal. <laughs> like, He's like, please no. <laughs> which I think is really funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, and Darabont also says like at other points, like the best thing you can tell me is that it made you think. Even if you took something else from it than what I Still, was thinking when yeah. I made it, I'm glad it made you keep theorizing and mulling it over. Mm-hmm. I just really think it's hilarious. The interviews, King is like unwilling to take any political stance like boldly. And Darabont was like, fuck conservatives. He very much does the, uh, or Stephen King at least, does the Taylor Swift thing. Yeah. Where Taylor Swift is like, oh, what? No, I have no stance. And then you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. Uh Because, you know, she got to sell those records to white people. Uh It's fine. It's fine. You do Politics are dividing us. Her songs are Music unites us. (laughs) She's like, I do love gay people. I'll say that. Do they have rights? That's not for me to say. (laughs) She's like, Lady Gaga had some things right. That's all I'll say. I'm not here to drag Taylor. But that's what it reminded me of. I know, I don't. (laughs) I don't. She's fine. She doesn't need me to like her. Exactly. I was like, she's fine. Music? They're bops. They're bops. They're fucking bops. bops. Her herself? Eh, well, yeah, whatever. I'm like, I'm like Stephen King on this. I'm like, I don't want to answer that right now. (laughs) (laughs) If you try to make me answer an interview, I'll say... If it makes you springboard makes something you else, think, yeah, that's, that's all good. I want. Then I succeeded. <laughs> Perfect. That's good. Uh, I'm now just imagining a job interview where they ask, tell me your deepest opinions on Taylor Swift. You like, joke, but the one time when I did, not one time, but the two times that I've done her concerts, like wardrobe. Oh God. They would be like, are you a fan? What am I supposed to say? If I said, no, I don't like her, they'd be like, don't touch her clothes. You can't spray vodka right? on this, plebe. Exactly. So I had to be like, yeah. Hoping they would never be like, what's your favorite song? Because I was like. I know one. Is Teardrops on our, my guitar still relevant? Because song, what? Teardrops on my guitar? Isn't that? Unless Taylor has done a cover. Did she? What are you finding? I'm doing it. What are you finding? Hold on. Well, well, we fell into a... Well, my guitar gently weeps. Oh, okay. Is the Beatles song. I'm so sorry. I'm not good at this game. Funniest thing. (laughs) He's saying a very obvious Taylor Swift song. And you convincing me that she has done a (laughs) a Beatles cover. (laughs) No, I was... I I knew I was wrong, but I didn't know how I was wrong. No, for um, some reason, whenever people would be like, do you know Taylor Swift? I'd be like, I know that one song. I mean, now I know others, you know, shaking off the whole oh, thingy. I only know Blank Space. I've never even heard of that. Well, it was like the song of the year when really? I did uh, sorority recruitment. Oh, And okay. at a midnight, everyone was singing Blank Space oh, all the time. Oh, sure. The In a bouncy is, like, house, singing Blank Space. <laughs> if you play a song, I'll yeah. know it. Like, yes. I'll know how to sing it, but I don't know the names of them. So unless it's Shake It Up and Teardrops. Like it's not for some reason. I don't know. No fucking clue. I don't remember how we got here. So that was a bit of a detour. My bad on that one. In my notes, uh, because I took a different detour in my notes, and then I was like, oh, this is apropos. I can't wait. (laughs) So it was a bit of a detour on my part, but I really do enjoy engaging with creator intent when there's an adaptation in the middle of timely events, right? Because like '80s to early aughts, like it's very fascinating. Very fascinating. Sounds like a 
silly phrase. But it's interesting to engage with the way that an adaptation can function in very different political climates. Oh, yeah. So this brings us to another potential cultural connection. Trump's cult and the January 6th insurrection. Yeah. One of the articles I read early on in my research, because as you know, I do a lot of reading. Right. Uh, it discussed the history of the study of mob mentality, and it connected it to the insurrection. However, I'm not very interested in summarizing the article for a number of reasons. First off, I'm not really keen to engage with this strictly through the lens of mob mentality of, like, quote, people are reasonable actors, but crowd mechanics can create a wild yeah, situation. that's a hard one. Yeah. Secondly, the article was written less than a week after the insurrection, and there's been so much come there out since then. There has been a lot. Then. But I don't really think any article examining it in January of 2021 can actually capture the context or Absolutely fallout. Absolutely not. I or agree. Or the planning. Right. The exactly. knowledge of what happened beforehand. So like, it's just, to me, not a relevant article no. to really discuss what actually happened because we didn't know everything. Right. Like, yeah, I get yeah. that. <laughs> this is just to say that this movie can feel timely or prescient anytime there's a situation where people are whipped up to a, into a frenzy yeah. by a leader who preys upon their fear and prejudice. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, it felt scary now. Mm-hmm. And obviously this was made a long time ago, but I still was very much like, ew. Like, ugh. Yeah. So taking it back to the movie itself. Yes. What happens from the moment where everyone is suddenly trapped inside the grocery store with a known threat and the moment less than a week later when Carmody has convinced them to kill a child. If we want to look at the psychological engagement with this, there are three main theories. Mm-hmm. And this, I don't want to sit. It doesn't map just like explicitly to psychology. It's like yeah. sociology as well. But mm-hmm. like some of these things were covered in my psych classes. Right. And hi, I have a bachelor's degree in psych, which means I'm useless. Uh, I have an art degree. Rel- <laughs> <laughs> it means that I know theories of things, but cannot help anyone. Right. So every now and then I get to like stretch those muscles and say like, I know some facts that are out. It's nice when it comes in handy. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, me? <laughs> when the DSM-6 comes out, I'm sunk. Nothing else from me <laughs> ever. So anyway, there are three main theories. Yeah. Obviously more than three, but three get the limelight. Mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes, limeline. I don't know what that is. You know. Anyway, those theories of crowd dynamics and their influence on behavior are contagion theory, convergence theory, and emergent norm theory. Mm. Are you familiar with norms? Like, Yeah, in a way. I mean, okay. like you said it, and I was like, it's somewhere in there. Yeah. Like, so the easiest way, like, I used to work in education mm-hmm. around, like, social norms and, like, protective versus harmful social norms. Okay. And so, like, if you just want to think of something that is value neutral. Right. You walk into an elevator and there are like five people in it. Right. Which way do you face? Forward? You face the door. Yeah. What if you walked into an elevator and everyone's facing the door and you face the wall? I I would probably frighten them. Yes, because that's a violation of the norm. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. That's <laughs> just mean, like set up. An example we give to folks. Because right. Because it's like, how uncomfortable do you get when right. people violate norms? And like, Even how little norms, things like yeah. that. I'd be like. It's an innocuous one. It doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah. Unless you step on someone's toes. But like, it's kind of a value neutral norm that we have is that when you get into an elevator, you turn around and you face the door that opens, which is funny when there are two sided elevators because then everything's gone to shit. Well, it's like in in Blair Witch when he's staring and looking at the wall. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? At least look at me. Yeah. Interesting. At least look at something. Look at a wall. Look at a crack. Don't look at the corner. (laughs) 
Yeah. So that's just kind of an example of like a social norm Mm -hmm. is that when you get in the elevator, you turn around, you face the door that will open. Yeah. So when you violate a social norm, it makes other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It makes people judge you. Like there's a lot. And so if it's like a social norm that is like protective for society, when you violate it, then people might feel compelled to correct you. (laughs) Right. You know, like to be like, excuse me, it's very dangerous that you're doing this thing. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen in the elevator. No. But maybe you're violating a different social norm that is quite dangerous. Anyway. That's like just a very bare bones example of yeah. a norm. Uh, so we'll get to emergent norm theory at the end. But first we got to warm up with contagion theory. Oh boy. Yeah. So contagion theory is basically what it sounds like. Uh, something happens contagiously across a crowd. Mm-hmm. So emotion and influence spread across a crowd. Logic be damned. The influence of the crowd is hypnotic. This was theorized by Gustave Le Bon when he was trying to figure out the French Revolution. <laughs> he was like, I can solve this. Uh, at its core, his theory looks at how crowds can transform rational individuals into an emotional and irrational mess. Yeah. And because uh, historically, when everyone, whenever anyone says emotion, it means contrary to logic, mm-hmm. which, as we know, is sexist. Right. Uh, and so, like, saying emotional and irrational is, in his frame of mind, redundant. Yeah. But anyway, feminist Whatever. anger. Uh so that's like contagion theory. Yeah. Like, it's obviously much more complex than that, but the basic idea is that humans cease to be rational when it, they become part of a crowd because like any emotion spreads rapidly across it and yeah. you cannot like, you just have to become part of it. Yeah. Convergence theory disagrees with the way that crowds come together. Sociologists posited that like-minded people would come together in pursuit of a common goal and their behavior was at the core influenced by what that common goal was in the mindset. So if a group of totally chill, peace-minded people come together with a shared intent, the combined force of those people will not suddenly become violent simply because they're in a crowd. Right. Their reason for being there and gathering will determine their behavior. Yeah. Then we have emergent norm theory. It's kind of like the peacemaker between Mm -hmm. the two previous theories. Yeah. It finds more common middle ground than one would anticipate. Uh, So emergent norm theory views crowds as more reasonable than contagion theory, but less predictable than convergent theory. Okay. How is that? (laughs) Well, the theory here is that a group of people come together and norms are established over the course of their time together. People start off kind of unsure what the group norms will be and what norms will govern behavior. They're all kind of like watching each other. Like, do I take my shoes off at the door? Are people dropping F-bombs or saying, gosh darn it to heck? Those aren't necessarily crowd norms that are established, but are ones that you kind of feel out as you enter a new space with a new conglomeration of folks. Like, when you start a new workplace... You are kind of trying to feel out the norms that are already established, but what if you're like an entire new group that has come together for the first time, you're feeling each other out and trying to understand how do we navigate this space together and what are norms that we're going to build? You want to hear something embarrassing? Of course I do. All three of those, I kept going, oh, I I learned similar things in improv class. (laughs) No, that's so valid. Um, Because like, for everyone who doesn't know, I did improv for like college. Mm -hmm. I did it in college and like... One of the rules is, like, if you're starting a scene, don't hesitate. Just do something. It doesn't matter if, like, if you step into a scene and there's no one else with you, just start fishing. The person who comes in will just know, you're fishing, I'm fishing. But if it's an established scene and you come in later, you know to, like, they fished before. I can mention that or I can kind of do my own thing because I'm new to this. Or the third one, you can come together and all of a sudden just decide as one, like, what are our norms going to be? Will new norms be established? Like, we're figuring this out together. 
And it was just so funny because I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. We did that in improv. Like, I fucking love that. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that's the only yeah. way to like act when you don't have lines is to like, yeah. trust the other person to create norms for you. Yeah. Whether it be wild or, no- or norm. God, like, I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's cool. That's so funny. <laughs> <clears throat> so emergent norm theory says, mm-hmm. maybe you didn't know the group that you were gathering with, but as you spent time in the same space, some norms were established and behavior falls in line with those norms. Yeah. Uh, I was going to give an improv example, and then I realized I am not equipped to do that. <laughs> I was going to be like, it's like you established this scene, and then this person does this, and it's like, I, did, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, because it's that. like bad improv if like you come in and you start fishing, and then the person comes in and just goes, uh, we don't fish here. It's like, or it's like, don't okay, you know like, we're on the moon? Exactly. Like, that's a better example. Like, if as, like, as long as the person is acknowledging what you're doing, it works. Like, that one I gave is a bad example. But yeah, like, if you were like, um, but we're at a wedding. You're like, okay, well, now you've changed everything I've created, like, which is fine. I've already established but... we're in the land Chipotle. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? So it's like, it's, it's like saying no. Yeah. Like, don't say no. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, no, but. Guys. <laughs> Oh, okay. But yeah. So if everyone is like, this is a silent sit-in protest, signs up, lips shut, ass on the ground, then one person randomly banging a drum and throwing rocks through like through windows is not going to suddenly shift the intention or behavior of the group at large like it would in right. contagion theory. If you're looking at contagion theory, that one person, like their irrationality and emotion can spread throughout the group. But if you're looking at emergent norms, the norms have been established and that person is violating right. the norms. If anything, you would try to change them to what you're doing. Yeah, yes. okay, that makes sense. You're like, dude, that's not cool. Like, it's like, no, no we, we don't we're do doing that. Right now. We sit. <laughs> we sit down. It's okay. You shut up. Uh, so all of that information, like those summaries, were taken from the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. sociology book, okay. I believe. But it's also like those are established theories right. over the course of years. Uh, centuries, one could say. When was the French Revolution? <laughs> 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 I don't come on now. Time is fake. Someone just edited me saying, I edit. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. It'll be like a super clear, like, the French Revolution was in. The French Revolution was in. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. I was going to say 1840. I don't know. (laughs) My heart says 1820. I just had in my mind the number 1841. I don't think that's at all correct. But it's a yeah. number that felt pleasing to me because it the last two now we have to know. To five. You know what you did? I know what I did. Here we go. I actually did come across French Revolution stuff in my research <laughs> and just shut it out. I'd tell you that I was closer than you, but no. Seventeen hundreds, seventeen ninety nine. Okay, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrong century, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally May to November of seventeen ninety nine. Okay, well, we were really close to the right century. We were, like, really close. That's better than saying I said 1920. It was probably still affecting people by then, maybe. Yeah. There were still heads rolling. Yeah. Yeah, duh. Me alone. <laughs> we're a history podcast. So tired. Who? So. Yeah. You could examine the actions of Carmody's congregation through the lens of psychology or sociology. Okay. Of the above theories, contagion would seem to fit best in this particular instance. hmm but this is where I kind of get stuck in a loop. <laughs> I start by trying to examine crowd dynamic theories in a vacuum yeah. and apply them to an apocalyptic scenario. 
But then I look at the impact of external forces, like giant flying carnivores. Right. And then I wonder how much of the plot's trajectory is shaped by the specific way that Carmody swayed people. And then I wonder if it's not really so much that Carmody was preaching her version of Christianity, but that she was preaching anything. Yeah. Bren's group followed him because he prized rationality and accurately critiqued the local versus out-of-towner dynamics. Carmody gathered her flock by providing answers and solutions that did not require them to put their own life on the line. Her answer was, don't leave here. You'll bring death back. And her solution meant that no one had to risk anything. Yeah. I think... You can... Yeah. I just think she could have preached anything, like you said. Oh, anything. Because, like, I think she got lucky that, like, her teachings just happened to Mm -hmm. be, like, like, you know, they sounded like what was happening. Yeah. You could have preached literally anything anything and said... People will die. And at a certain point, you start to be like, she's right. It's also right. pretty fucking likely that people will die so Yeah, like. right? Exactly. Like, it's like when a psychic is like, I see something blue. There's so many blue things. Like, mm-hmm. it's inevitable. Someone you're gonna... in your life, their name has a G. Right. Like, you're going to fall in love with someone who's wearing yellow. I mean, well, then you're just going to start to f- see yellow uh-huh. all the time. So, like, I mean, if someone's telling you a bunch of things that are going to happen, you're going to start to see those things because you want to. Because you're looking for it. You're looking for something you're to believe in. You're attending to those things. In a time where the unbelievable is happening. That's a type of cognitive bias, is that <laughs> when you're looking for something, you find evidence of oh, that yeah. more frequently than you find discounting evidence. Exactly. So, yeah, I think it's weird and wild that, yeah, she could have said anything and anyone eventually would have been like, mm-hmm, I need yeah. something to believe in Yeah. to make this make sense. Yeah. And so, it's so scary. <laughs> I like seriously. At one point, I might get into this later, uh, but like, she was preaching answers that didn't require them to sacrifice anything. No. If she was praising a lizard god, would people have jumped on the same way? Right. Was it because she was teaching something vaguely familiar to them? That's Christianity. True, yeah. And so, like, at one moment when she was in the bathroom stall before she says her beautiful one-liner about shitting on a friend. No. God damn, that was great. Uh, she is like praying to something and you can't see like if she's established an altar or if she's just kneeling in front of a toilet right. like the porcelain god you just i was like are we about to pan the camera and there's an altar to a lizard god like or I like really, a fucking tentacled like, monster yes. where it's like whoa you yeah know, like it was like is lizard daddy coming to get us lizard daddy? tentacle mommy <laughs> oh i don't my know god. <laughs> oh we have only <laughs> so <laughs> This is then when I get back to crowd dynamics again. Right. So instead of trying to say anything for certain, I just want to ponder how people engage with this movie and where they place themselves in the supermarket. So yeah. before I get into my next like subset, it's yeah. like, did it matter that sh- what she was preaching was even like tangentially relevant to something in their lives? Like right. if she had picked an off the wall religion or right. one that she had invented herself in the dark of night, would it have mattered? Would it have mattered? Like. Did it matter that it was Christian fundamentalism specifically? Yeah. No matter how many times I try, I cannot say fundamentalism the first time correctly. Fundamentalism is too hard. Millennial dispensationalism. Uh, (laughs) That's one that I like practiced myself. Like people do like proper cup of coffee and a copper coffee cup. Millennial dispensationalism. Premillennial dispensationalism. Premillennial dispensationalism. You rock that shit. You're an actress though. At what cost? (laughs) It took everything I had. I just like cried. Through your warm-ups. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, I just truly spiraled at this yeah. point. I just kept going in circles. And it's like, should I go back and delete all my notes on crowd dynamics? Should I go back and try to research so fundamentalism? Hard. And it's just like, I could not come to any real conclusion. <laughs> and so instead, 
I want to ponder how people place themselves or how they engage with the movie and where they place themselves in the supermarket. Like, I'm obviously in the supermarket. Like, I will spend a lot of time in the cereal aisle. That is one of my yeah. favorite places to be. I love cereal as a treat. Like, mm. Captain Crunch. Chips for me, man. Uh, chips. I would have been eating chips. Just like chips. Yeah. Well, just like for me. any cereal by the handful i don't need milk can't eat it oh i'm glad that yeah. we both have something because 100 yeah. percent, it doesn't matter what chip it is i'm eating it like we're compatible in the apocalypse yes we will go for different this snacks. will work yeah this is good this is good to know because like i'll have a i'll have a little bit yeah. every now and then like a little piece it's of cat like, and crunch is a treat yeah yeah and i want something salty to a break up like, berries as like a palate you know, cleanser between exactly. some of the different you like, know you can't go straight from cap and crunch no. to like oops all berries no well okay hold on you might wow. be able to do that that but one you could probably maybe do. like fruity pebbles does need a palate cleanser between that and reese's puffs exactly like yeah. you can't just you know and yeah. i you know i can't just have sour cream and onion then go right to barbecue that's no. ridiculous god you gotta who have would do like that? a someone who doesn't understand chip so yeah no we would we would thrive together i think i'm glad to know this yeah writing it down don't even worry about it don't fret <laughs> everyone chill out <laughs> you're freaking out i'm not i'm good <laughs> so we know i'm the cereal you're in the chip aisle. yeah uh, but would you have been in Brent's group? Would you have kicked it much sooner by running into the mist because you don't believe that one random guy that said something took his friend? Would you have helped David gather supplies quietly? Would you be learning the word of the day, expiation? <laughs> We've had questions before, like, in a horror film, how long do you last? Are you a right. final girl? And in the most lighthearted way possible, I want to know where you are in this misty apocalypse. I I actually thought about this while watching it because I, I mean, it's, it's one of those movies you kind of have to because you're yeah. just like, what would I do? You know, because there's so many different ways to go. Um, I think I would have, I would have followed the uh, main character, David, right? Yeah. I would have followed David. I think not necessarily because I'm like brave or anything like that, but um, I think I wouldn't be able to resist one doing what I think is good for everybody. Yeah. And also, I would have wanted to get away from that woman. Yeah. I don't think I would have trusted her no matter what. Only because, like, I've been burned so much in the past by, like, pretty bad, like, religious kind of trauma. That, like, she could say anything, any religion, even one that is, like, known and followed largely in the the world. Yeah. And I still would have been like, no, Mm -mm. no. So, yeah, I think I would have followed David and I would have gone for, like, supplies. Whether I make it back, I don't know. But, Yeah. And I tell you right now, I also would have had the fire with the the little aerosol spray. Yeah. I've been doing that since I was in high school. Yeah. You are Irene, <laughs> my favorite character. My favorite character. I love her so Absolutely much. Absolutely would have done that. She did it and I went, I used to do that in high school. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a miracle I made it through high school, honestly. So yeah. yeah. I, like, as I was watching it, it was like, Brent's perspective is very understandable. And I, like, this is not a critique of his character. No. I understand why he personally did not want to go follow their proof because everything that has happened in his life up until this point has led him to believe that he can't This is the lawyer, them. correct? Yes. yes. Like, he, why would he? He is another person that I could see myself, like, yeah. it's. it was a very close thing between him and David. Like, I could see myself leaving, but only for, like, I think other people. Yeah. I think where I kind of have my dividing line is that if I did not have the baggage that Brent had in terms of like there has been a um, baggage is a really poor way of phrasing it 
but he has the lawsuit that he had that, like, there are negative feelings there. He is also, like, one of the only people of color. That's true. In, like, a mostly white rural town. Right. He does not live in the town, but he spends his money there. He pays his taxes there. He owns property there. Like, he pays into the economy, but he doesn't get anything out of it. Right. And so it's like, he has no reason to trust these people. Right. If I was there and I was not Brent and didn't have animosity bred of, like, those circumstances, I would want to have seen the proof when they offered it. Even at the risk of looking stupid, because I, me, Kate, don't have anything on the line in terms of this city. I did not lose a legal battle. And so it's like, I truly cannot put myself in Brent's footsteps but i think that if i were there i would want to like i would not easily believe right what david said but i would probably be is it don what's his fuck i'm not sure it's something with a u in it Hmm. um it's the uh store manager oh yes the bud yeah bud yeah he goes back to be like fine and then he's like oh shit this is real yeah and that would turn me to david's group because like you yeah. I have no trust <laughs> yeah. in anyone like Mrs. Carmody. Yeah. So it's just I, hard. Because yeah. like even with baggage, I think I would still stay. But it it depends also if I'm with family. Oh, God. Because if my mom wasn't there, oh, I would have left. I would have been. The I know lady her, who has kids at home. Carol that's her from name. Walking Dead. That's, yeah. But so yes. literally her name in the credits is the woman who has kids at home. I, I, I hate it. I wouldn't have done the same thing she did because I hated the way she the did way it. The way she tried to pressure people and mm-hmm. guilt people I hated into that. It. I would have just it. left quietly because yeah. I know myself and I know that like if I know that I'm probably in the wrong and like what I'm doing is probably not great, I will just leave. Yeah. I maybe would have been like, I should go get my mom and I would have yeah. left. Did you hear yeah. that mom? Would have gone into the mist for you. Uh-huh. Love you. So uh, if my sister's out there, yeah. <laughs> I'm going. That's the thing. Like I probably would have gone. Also my mom. Duh. I love you, mom. <laughs> But, like, that's the thing. I would have gone. Like, But, yeah. I think that's the only two options that would have got me. It's, like, any person in my immediate family. Yeah. Or my aunt. I like that we've kind of accidentally mixed horror and Nerd Corner into one big thing. Uh uh Uh-huh. We're, like, an hour in, and I'm, like, I feel like we've really covered everything. Like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it's such a interesting movie and it's like one of those things where it's like we have our theories about where we would be and where, like, our values are. Yeah. And I also always want to think like in the most dire circumstances where do I turn yeah and like what could influence me it's so odd and so like I want to believe the best about myself right that's the thing is like I want to believe that yes I would go with him to get supplies but but then again I am I I don't know it's like I'm the kind of person who yes will put myself in some sort of danger to make sure that like other people are safe but not ever that kind of danger I've never been in a situation where if I walked outside giant creatures could get me I don't know I'm like, I'll take big swings that are probably really dumb in a corporate setting yes. to protect my comrades. Right. But I don't know if I would go up to, like, a, a thing. you know, spider. I've been known to take can... risks and be dumb, but I don't know. Yeah. We played a game the other day with two people I didn't know, and all of them pointed to me when the question was, who's the most, the riskiest? And I was like, that's hilarious, because two of you don't even know me, which means it just vibes alone. They were like, I don't know, that girl. <laughs> I appreciate Amazing. that. Thank yeah. you. So yeah, Whew. that's a nerd quarter. That's a good one. Okay. Was, oh my God. I mean, they're, I say this every time, they're all good, but that's the one that I felt like we had the most, um, like discussion, Dialogue, like yeah. together and being like, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. That's good. Most interactive. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Thank you. Where would everybody else stand at home? I just want to know. 
yeah. send it to me. Send me on Twitter. Just randomly message me. Yeah. Don't even message me. Just yeah. just send me a tweet and yeah. be like, hey, real quick, here's what I would do. Yeah. Tell us. Okay. First, it's a two-parter. Two-parter. Where in the supermarket are you spending most yes. of your time? We already have cereal and chips. So you can't come for those. You we already can, have them. You can have my salt and vinegar. I don't like those that much. I do like pickle. Yeah. Which I know are the same with dill, but I, I don't like salt. You I can have those. I love salt and vinegar, but it usually has buttermilk. Yes. And that yeah. is poison to me. Yep. Uh, but no, I will share cereal, but I'm saying you can't camp out there no. the way that I am because that's where I eat. Find yeah. another one. Yeah. So what's the second thing? Where what aisle are you oh, hanging out yeah. in? The most important part the is most important uh, one. what faction do you end up being and yeah. what takes you to that faction? Because it's like... That's so interesting. I have names for all the factions. I have them like somewhere else in my notes. Just let us know. Maybe Instagram or Twitter. Them. Just like message us. Give us yeah, a thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. just so curious where other people would be. Um. Oh, uh, do you want to know my faction names? There are three. Yeah. Guess which one is which. Oh, God. Uh, the Bible's bitches. The tentacle team. Norton's normies. No! <laughs> Norton's normies! <laughs> oh, my God. Am I tentacle team? I'm tentacle. We're both tentacle team. We're both team. tentacle team? Yeah. Because oh. he was the one that came out and, like, that yes. moment where it's like, is this a comedy? Where they're like, it's tentacles. It's tentacles. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, I can't believe I'm a tentacle team because honestly, I would, I think, oh, Norman's Normie. <laughs> Very funny. It just has a beautiful ring to it, you know? So I'd say it again. To- Where are you guys? Are you Bible's Bitches? Bible's Bitches. The Tentacle Team. Tentacle Team. Or Norton's Normies. Norton's Normies. Okay. Brent Norton. Yeah, let me know where you guys are. Just so curious. We all, yeah. all want to know. You can just, uh, it's going to be great. Go on Twitter and just say, I'm Literally, Team Bibles Bitches. Go on Twitter <laughs> and just at me and say which one you are. Yeah. I don't even care if you give context. <laughs> I would love it if our Twitter is just full of a bunch, like, fill with Tentacle just, Team, Tentacle Team, Tentacle Team. team. <laughs> Norton's Normies, Norton's Normies. <laughs> That's what's going to put us on the map. It's just yeah. people do it. We're going to trend. They're like, what is Bible Bitches? <laughs> you can do it, guys. <laughs> We believe in you. That's so funny. Yeah. I like that one a lot. So those are my faction names. <laughs> that's our long, might be our longest nerd corner, but. Yeah. Dang, I really like that one a lot. By the pages, it was one of the longer ones. It was good. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. I know it's time to talk about horror, yeah. but we already kind of did. Yeah. I mean, because like most of my notes are about the people, because that's the horror. Because humans are the monsters. Right. I mean, we do know. So, and also just a heads up to everybody. So they're not like. Why don't you know this better? Oh, God. We watched this movie like a week Almost ago? a full week. I watched Almost it a full, full week, week ago. I watched it maybe a little, yeah. little less. I watched the movie um, on Monday or Tuesday. Because this episode got delayed. Um, so, like, we had to do it a little later. So, which is the definition of delayed. I was <laughs> like, delayed. It's like, Kate was having a hard time, so we pushed it out a little bit. Yeah, Kate was having a hard time. I was unemployed. Um, so, we're, uh, we're back. But yeah. If we're a little foggy, I'm so sorry. But we're it's been a little bit. We're misty because. <laughs> yeah, like, we're, we're misty, if you will. Um, okay, so my first note was about the house. What a gorgeous house. Yeah. This has nothing to do with the horror. It's just a beautiful home. I mean, the house does play into the horror a little bit later in a later scene that yeah. I think is really cool. When mom's home to greet the spiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. That moment really, yeah. like, ripped up my heart. It's like, oh, she's here to welcome the guests mm. for forever. She's forever a host. Um, but yeah, so we'll get to that maybe later, but I just thought the house was great. The kid is so cute. I think that plays into it. He's so cute. Yeah. He is, he's not anything, I don't know how to explain it without sounding like mean, but like, like Danny from The Shining is yeah. a very memorable 
kid. Like, you look at that kid and you're like, oh, I remember Danny. Like, my mom can't stand that kid. Not because of anything he did. She goes, I don't know why. It's just his face. It makes me so mad. From the Mr. Danny. Danny. Okay. And that's the thing. I'm like, you remember his face. Yeah. He just has a face that people are like, "Mm mm-hmm. And his little thing with his finger, you yeah. know. Yeah. Round, round. He's got something memorable about him. Yeah. Whereas this kid, not just in a mean a way, is just class kid. Yeah. Little blonde, blue eyed, little baby boy. Yeah. You know, like he plays into the American stereotype of he innocence. Absolutely does. Yeah. Like he is that like fake white picket fence dream kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. When people are like a nuclear family, it's like this is the American future. Protect our youth. It's that he has that look of like little innocent baby boy. So, super cute, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, they're they're just preying on people's, like, oh, maternal instinct must protect this tiny baby. And, like, inborn prejudices. It was just about to say, I'm like, and I wonder how different it would have been if this family was not white. God, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine the difference that people would feel. Brent's character in the book was white, based on one of the things I read. I haven't read the novella. Oh, but okay. The neighbor. Yeah. Uh, it was a race lift. He from was the novella to the movie. I could be wrong. I don't know what character specifically, but I'm almost positive that character is supposed to be played by Stephen King. The neighbor that's the lawyer? Yeah. Pretty sure. Hold on, I'm confused with what you're saying. Stephen King yeah. was supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. And I think He wanted to be the neighbor? He didn't want to be. The director was like, do you want... Because Stephen King does cameos. Usually they give him like a bit part, not right. like a 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah. He turned it down. Yeah. He was very and they much just like... Made King's Pharmacy instead. Pretty much. He was very much kind of like, no, that's not really for me. Like, I think he said he didn't want to travel for it. He would have had to have traveled like pretty far to like do the scenes. Which is really funny because he sets everything in May. In, yeah. And I think the reason was because like... It, without it, because it's not a bit part, you can't just do it in a day. Yeah. So my theory, and I don't know, I could be wrong that it's yeah. that character, but I'm pretty sure it was a big character. Okay. Because it was the only time that they've been like, do you want to be a main character? And he was like, no, I can't. I can't do that. Dang. Um, okay. I had no idea. So yeah. It was only Stephen King, potentially. Um, but I thought about that a lot, actually, during the movie, is if this kid had been, or the whole family, had been not white, like... Would anybody have been as helpful and more willing to be like, save that little baby? Mm, no. I don't think so. <laughs> if so, it's still in a white main right. suburban town, if you have like a family that are like some of the only black folks in that town. That's why I was like, I don't want people to think I'm being mean by being like, oh, he's a classic little, I mean it in like the stereotype. In of, a stereotype. Like, yeah. not in like, you're cute, derogatory. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't mean it in, like, a mean way or anything like that. I just mean that, like, he is the classic cute kid yeah. from, like, When we project, you know? like, the, the stereotypical, like, patriotic mm-hmm. American family is projected and, like, sold as white, middle class, yeah. blonde hair, blue eyed nonsense. And so it's, like, we sell that. As, like, what the ideal should be. He is a cookie cutter that you can put yourself into or your own kid. Granted, if you're white. Yes. Because your experience isn't going to be the same if you're not. No. So that was one of my notes where I was like, cute kid. He's so cute. He's white. Like, that's that's, that's why. He annoyed me shitless. Oh, he was cute as hell to look at. Yeah. But my later notes are like, shut the fuck up. I just, I... (laughs) Honestly, I know he's supposed to be the motivating factor for right. a lot of David's moves. I'm just like, 
have a kid, I guess. I don't know. I'm bored. Like You're I'm like not... me when I was watching. I feel so bad. But when I was watching The Walking Dead, she was pregnant. And Carl. Carl. <laughs> my immediate thought when this woman was pregnant was like, well, you got to kill that baby. Like, I'm sorry. I... You're in an apocalypse with zombies, and this woman has to give birth soon? A quiet place? Yeah. I was like, get rid of that baby. Get rid of the baby. Hello? Deal with it now before it's born. I, I know, controversial. Family. But I'm just saying, like, you're putting your entire family at risk. <laughs> this is horrible. This is me being like, get rid of the babies. But no, I'm with I, you, where I was like... I very much was not... Okay, I agree with you. Like, right. so far, like, I agree with you. But what I'm trying to say is, I thought... That the kid as a plot point was irritating. Yes. And it, yeah. like, all the kid does is act like a little angel that has been dropped onto Earth and has like ate the world. He's just like, oh, and he's like, this is not a critique of gender. Like, it's valid to cry, especially right. in an apocalypse. No oh, matter hell your yeah. gender. But then, like, all he does is like serve as a like a motivator for the father and then when the father's like i'll get you comics he's like i don't want comics i want you and it's like well kid it's not gonna be swayed by comics like it just doesn't feel it feels so much like he's supposed to be an angel baby yeah and that is supposed to make everything more shocking right and it didn't feel like a nuanced child to me no well i just talked about it with danny i was like danny has characteristics yeah so like you either you like him you don't like him like at least people have opinions on him yeah um, I like Danny much better than this kid. Yeah. Oh, Danny's great. I yeah. love Danny. Um, Danny's so interesting that there's another book about him. Yeah. I think that he's cool. And and he's not set up as like this perfect child that can do no wrong. He's, well, he's like not a plot point that yeah. is one dimensional. Yeah. He is a plot point that is like integral to the story. Yeah. And like he will change things depending on his decisions. Yeah. Where like as this kid is like, My you innocence. cry, I come help. Yep. Everybody doesn't matter yep. who you are in the story. If this kid cries, you help. Yep. Those are the two true things. Yes. Like, not a bad thing necessarily. He's just the most boring part of the film. Yes. And that's not necessarily any critique of him. His acting was great. I no. believed he was sad. Okay, yeah. good for you. I was like, I'd be sad. I, I see right? my sadness in you. <laughs> when he cried, I was like, you and me both, bud. We're but both I was also tonight. like, give him something. I was like, he has done nothing. So, yeah. and I mean, all of this comes down to the end. I mean, you're supposed to, like, feel this kid's sadness, feel this kid's sadness, until all of a sudden it's like, he could have been saved, my angel? We'll get to it. <laughs> oh, fuck. The ending was controversial. It was. To say the least. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the only thing. Let's get into it now. That's the only thing I remembered from this. Oh. So we talked about this. This is another 30 Days a Night issue where um, we were watching this, and we I was watching this, and I kept going... Oh, right. The mist is nothing. It's just like this nothingness that you can you, you see and you go in and you just disappear. Time That's is what weird. I remember. Time is a soup. Mm-hmm. And I went, man, they're going to go in the mist and just never be seen again. And then all of a sudden these tentacles came in and started ripping people in half. And I went, perhaps I've thought of the wrong movie. Maybe it's vampires, <laughs> not zombies. <laughs> I I don't know what I movie. I think I was thinking the Longoliers. In my defense, another misty movie, um, sort of. But I just kept going. It's so cool. Literally, one of my first notes, I had to get rid of it, was it's so cool that you never really see a monster in this movie. Because <laughs> I thought I remembered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first note was like, it's so cool that you never really see anything. And then the tentacles came in and I went, okay, but you only see like one thing. And then you see like a, the, the insects box. and then the bats and then the spiders and then the behemoth. <laughs> 
and then the crab. <laughs> I took the note away and I went, perhaps I've been mistaken. <laughs> so I went on a journey. The way you did that was like you're tucking in your dressing gown. Like <laughs> I like tied my little thing and I went, shut up. Everyone. Nobody asked you. <laughs> It was very much my own mistake, and I was like, everyone, just mind your business. Don't ask questions. So that was great. It was very fun for me, because I was like, whoa, can you believe it? Everyone could. Um, my other note was, Captain Holt. It's Captain Holt. From, uh, I almost said 30 Rock. From uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. He popped up. I knew. I remembered him Dang. being in this. And I was like, oh, yeah. I have seen one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I haven't seen all of it, but I just remembered him because people love him. He's, yeah. like, really funny He's on really that great. show. And I thought it was cool to see him in this as such a, you know, normie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's so funny in that. And I was like, oh, okay. So. He's really good. Um, And also, the dad. He's an interesting character. How do you feel about him as an actor? It's okay. You can say it. I know that he was supposed to be like the tour de force emotional yeah. journey. I a lot of this movie, this is my personal opinion. It's mm-hmm. not a critique, I guess. I, my personal opinion is that the movie was overwrought and that okay. everything was very much made too clear. Yes. And that it doesn't leave much for you to analyze and it's very much like oh, what's going to happen now is that she's going to convince people with this nonsense right. because they're desperate. Instead of implying it, they just said everything outright. And so every single thing <clears throat> was very clearly stated instead yeah. of being implied or explored or developed. Yeah. And that was his acting. And I think I could forgive that part of it. If it was like heavy handed and I could see everything coming, I would forgive it if at least the acting felt very, very uh, real. Because, like, it's supposed to be, like, what, like a documentary? Yeah. That's the feel he wanted. But this man, and it's not, like, a thing to him. Like, this could be the director. This could be anything else. He just sounded sarcastic or over the top in every moment. Yeah. Nothing felt authentic. It Nothing just felt, felt like sincere. he was, like, this is the line and I'm reading it. And it's intense. And I was, like, okay. So yeah. I could forgive it if it was, like, straight to the point. Like, well, we already talked about it a little bit. But, like, the boys... That, that show, it's very heavy-handed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hitting you in the face with the metaphors. You're like, yeah, duh, I get it. It's an allegory. Cool. Right. But it's so well-acted, I think, that, yeah. like, I don't mind that because I feel like the people in it are genuinely experiencing these things. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, that's wild. Where's this, this one? I was like, dang. A few of them? Great. Yeah. Some of them? Not so much. Irene? She lives forever in my heart. Dawn? Oh, yeah. Same. But it's like... I think was, her name was Amanda. Yeah. She felt stiff to me. Yes. And like David I, to me, I was just, I was divorced emotionally from yes. him. There were just, there were just like a, an array of things that I, of acting techniques that I wasn't into. Not techniques, but like styles. Yeah. Like Amanda felt really stiff. David felt too over the top. Where I was like, dial it back. Melodramatic. Just yes. Like I was like, it felt like it had that Nick Cage flair without, I don't know, like the, the unbearable weight of talent. Yeah, like, it didn't have, like, I was like, Nick Cage has earned this, okay? He's wild. And when he acts like that, I believe that he would do that. But I'm like, you, I'm like, yeah. you're acting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that kind of took me out of it a little bit and made it not incredible. And then I said, lots of close-ups. 
in this movie. Lots of close-ups. And I didn't know if I liked it or not. We I, talked about it already a yeah. little bit. I It was something that I appreciate the intent behind. It very much took me out of the drama. Yeah. Because it, again, just like the acting, where I was like, I could forgive the heavy hand in this, but the, the, the close-ups were so intense that I was like, do you want me to feel like this is real? Or do you want this to be some sort of like, really melodramatic soap yeah. opera like what do you want because yeah. to me a lot of the moments in the film in the first like 30 minutes i was like is this satire yes <laughs> and genuinely I, I thought that it was supposed to be over the top and like very dramatic with like the camera movements but, then they don't... but it doesn't actually develop that way it never goes far enough you know it's like it goes just far enough that you're like oh is this gonna be kind of funny and then it doesn't go further and you go so no or what? So this wasn't intended to be very dramatic and, like, wrought emotionally, but actually I'm laughing? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was just... I don't it's know. A, yeah. It's a weird film. It's a very strange film. Like, it just had it's a not lot... To say, I enjoyed a, it. Yeah. But I think that I took maybe different things. <laughs> I wasn't unhappy watching it. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't bored. I wasn't whatever. Yeah. I was just kind of, like, neutral. Yeah. But not in, like, a bad way. We've talked about it before where, we're like, we had movies that we were like, it's fine. Yeah. I would watch it again and be like, okay. Yeah. But I would never I'll watch it. To watch it. <laughs> yeah. But I would never watch it like I would watch Annihilation where I would be uh, like, yeah. I love this movie and yeah. I'm always going to enjoy it. I would watch The Mist and be like, wild. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But if I never saw it again, I'd go, eh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will say the kid is just way too much. I said he's so scared. And it feels like, and I felt like I wanted to cry because he was so scared. But then I was like, that's just all he does. It's all he does. He doesn't have, like, there's, as someone who has very personal experience, there are a lot of different ways to cry. Yeah. And he has a very, like, one track cry mm -hmm. where it's like, I see this and then I will and I throw myself into your arms. And yes. it's very much like, there are a lot of different ways to be overwhelmed. And I don't want to, like, project adult right. knowledge onto a child, but it just, it didn't feel like there was nuance to any character. It felt like each character yeah. was an archetype. Yeah, and that was yeah, that's all. such a good way to describe it. Is every character had like their one yeah. big thing. It's like that's just what they do. Yeah, you know, it, it felt like Thirteen Ghosts, where it's yeah. like every character has like a thing and like you do that thing. Like, except I love Thirteen. Ghosts except Thirteen Ghosts, <laughs> they're allowed. Yeah, I'll jump into anything to save Tony Shalhoub, Arthur. <laughs> What's his name? What's his name? Arthur. Yeah! <laughs> I just didn't know how to pronounce Tony Shalom. <sighs> okay, but yeah, how? Shalom. But that was one of the first notes I did with the kid. Was like I was like, oh wow, he makes me want to cry, and then it kept going, and I was like, I'm over it. Like <laughs> I'm crying for a different reason now. Again, not his fault, but I was like, mm. um, but I did say they did a really good job of setting everybody up. Like, um, they all know each other. Like, mm -hmm. even though everyone was like too much or too this or whatever. Their relationships were well established. Yes. I liked that. Um, it, it's like it had that little bit from um, Train to Busan where I'm like, they did kind of subtle ways of being like, I know you because of this. I'm angry at you because I overheard this. I the everyone way the Carmody enters yeah. being like, well, it can't be a good day if like the lines are like yes. this. So everyone had their little moments of being like, I am like this. I am like this. I could grow as a character because I started out like this. That was good. It's just that everybody was a little over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they were too much. But at least the relationships were all established. Yeah. So, like, going into it, even though I was like, you're you're a little over the top, at least I know who you 
interact with and why. It's like you saw the fault lines. You knew yes. where the divisions were. Right. So that was good. I liked that quite a bit. Because um, that's not super easy to do. Um, uh, I said, this woman is basically saying, hey, will you come outside and die with me? <laughs> uh-huh. That part was haunting. And I hated it. And it's not necessarily saying, like, nobody in this world would do that. But that felt like one of those norms that you're you're breaking. Yeah. And I was like, is she breaking it because of the situation? Or is it just weird that she's doing that? The Like, the length of time that that scene took and the so way long. that she picks out, like, three people uh, so slowly. Yeah. And it's like... I, everything about that scene was very uncomfortable. And I know it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Right. But, like, the way it occurred, I was like, this just feels very, like, um, well, like, dramatic, obviously, but also staged. Like, Yes. No, I know what you mean. It felt like she was making her problem everybody's problem. Yeah. But, like, that's just, it seemed un- unrealistic. And like, like, obviously, the whole movie's unrealistic. I get that. But still, people have norms. Like I believe in a community, everyone's problems are your problems. Like everyone should be part of the solution together. But the way that she went through it was was saying, I'm going to do something that no one wants me to do. And I'm going to publicly shame you for not doing it. Yes. It was the fact that she was shaming people. Like I could picture it going really well if she had gotten hysterical and being like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But I have to. That's great. Would have been really sad. Or if it had been, again, establishing those relationships and she'd been like, I don't want to do this. Please come with me. I'm so scared. I've known you for 10, 20 years. Please come with me. Then you can shame that person to be like, how could you leave me like this? We've known each other forever. Then fine. But I don't know how she knows these people. And she's like, you're not going to come with me? You idiot. Like, (laughs) the way she established was, won't anyone walk a lady home? That was it. Like, that's such an antiquated thing. It's like, this was written in the 80s. This, like... Uh, movie was yeah. in the aughts and so it's like was that a line from the yeah. 80s and like it just felt so like 50s it felt like an alien pretending to be a human yes when she was like won't anyone walk a lady home i've heard that is what you do and uh-huh. it was just weird because i was like in reality if someone had said that i've been like what we don't know you especially like you know that bad things have just happened you know that someone has just run in you should be like won't anyone please come with me and help yeah. me save my children? Yeah. And then, yes, I would feel bad for her yeah. that people didn't listen. But she didn't. She said, well, someone walk me home. And I've been like, no, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I have good feelings same... about the woman who has kids at home. <laughs> I have big feelings about Carol from The Walking Dead, all right? I'm glad it wasn't just me because I was worried. I was like, am I a dick? Oh, I have more notes about her, apparently. I said, like, fuck you, lady. <laughs> I just said no. Do not go out there and you will die and she goes anybody else feel like coming with me <laughs> i was so mad apparently I, just, I was riled up i react very poorly to people trying to guilt someone else into behavior and it's like you can very yes. clearly say like i intend to do this thing mm-hmm. and i do want assistance is there anyone that can reasonably right. offer me assistance right and in this situation no one felt safe doing that. And that fucking sucks for her. If you want to get really irrational sucks. and sad, that's fine. But don't shame people. And if you are going to shame people, you again, you need a reason. There has to be a reason she's doing that. Like, I felt no relationship between her and any of these people. So I was like, why should they feel like they have to? And it's like, the way that she established that she has kids at home was very much like, 
I left my eight-year-old in charge of my two-year-old. Yeah, they made her kind of unlikable a little tiny bit. It's like, first of all, that's very 80s. (laughs) Yes, it really is. And then second of all, like, yes, like, I could not even comprehend what it is like to be a mother. Especially, like, maybe she's a single mother. That's true. Yeah. And so it's like, I understand that, but the way that she established it just didn't, like, ring through It's almost like they wanted her to not be super liked in this moment but I was like then what do you want me to feel and it's like I'm like not even trying to get into like the mom shaming aspect of no it, where I, yeah exactly like it was that. like but like an eight-year-old can keep a two-year-old alive for yeah. like a few hours so like it's true that like it, it's not a great situation right I was like I am like when I say disliked I don't mean that like she wasn't likable oh, because no. of that I just mean that like it gives us this sense of like oh she's done something kind of risky here like yeah. and now she's doing it again i don't know if i like trust this woman overall i did not like the characterization no. and the way that they like deployed her into the world it was odd it was just odd so that was like the beginning so already i'm like what's gonna happen with these people um and then here we go here's an embarrassing note if we don't find out what's in this mist oh i swear to god i'm gonna lose it i've seen this movie everyone this is embarrassing. I've seen this. I had never seen this movie before last week. <laughs> I watched it. You were like, oh my God, the ending. And I went, yeah, I know. I've seen it. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> God. I said, uh, these people watch people disappear into the mist. And then they're literally they were like, yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> and it drove me nuts. But that was great. I mean, because people would do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like like you said, with, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, the lawyer. Brent. Norton? Norton. With Norton, he has no reason to trust these people. He has no, like, loyalties to anybody. So why would he believe them? And we actually never find out what happened to his group. No. Because you we get the biker kicked it. Right. But we don't know that any of the other ones died. We don't see him at the spiders? That was the MP. Okay. Just yeah. want to make sure. So, yeah. That is just so interesting. Because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, like, what I would have done. I don't know. Yeah. It was just great. I think... I think the relationships were interesting. Just the acting was weird, yeah. you know? Um, I said giant tentacles is not what I was anticipating, I'll be honest. Um, he's, like, hitting the tentacles or something, and then they make him stop or whatever, and I go, let him hit it more! Let I her speak! Let her speak! Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was just like, let him hit it! Also, this made me pissed. Because this scary woman who's all religious and wild, and this is before she's been established as someone to listen to. This is when she's like, don't listen to her. She's like touching this little girl's face, and the mom is just like, "Mm mm-hmm, she does that. Why are you letting this woman touch your child's face? If I had a child and someone came up to her and was giving a terrifying villain speech, I'd go, no, no, Mm -mm. do not touch her. And it's like, my mom has always been very polite Mm-hmm. And, like, very understanding of social norms, she would have displayed immense discomfort and would have, At like, least reacted. something. Like, it wouldn't, like, she wouldn't, like, smack someone out of nowhere. Right. It would be very much, like, excuse me, like, I'm not really comfortable with this. Right. And, like. It would have been, like, a, <laughs> I'm trying to be calm, but. It wouldn't be, like, oh, yeah, it's the face-touching time for the kids. This girl was just, like, yep, time to let my daughter's face get touched. And I was, like, what are you doing? No, you don't have to do that. Even in small towns. I am from a small town. Right. That's not it's a still, thing. It's not a social norm. It's not normal. Um, and then I said, wow, this really went to hell from zero to 60. And I don't think it's the right quote, but it felt good at the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did like that there's nobody amazing here. I feel like in all these horror movies, you always get someone who's like, 
I'm an incredible action hero and I can punch. But this action hero was just David. And he was like, I, I am alive and I can do things. <laughs> there was nobody who's like a hero, you know? Mm-mm. He took on the role of hero, but only to like five people. Yeah. And even then they were pretty much as capable as he was. Yeah. One of them is like a 70 year old woman. And she's like, I got it. It's cool. So I haven't, I have so many notes about oh, her. Oh, oh, she's incredible. So I like that. I, I did like that. I like that you can watch this movie and kind of put yourself into the shoes of these people because they're just normal people that are yeah. like, you know, there's nothing incredible about them. Um, that was nice. Um, oh, when she fucking tosses that can at Carmendy, <laughs> I lost it. I was like, yes, girl, throw the can. <laughs> when she, okay, let me find my note about that. A zealot can, you know? We love a zealot can. A can for zealot. I said, um, can of peas is the old soup for my family of the apocalypse. <laughs> it's, such, it's so good. It's so good. Oh. I, like, literally my notes, I just kind of grouped them together because I knew that, like, it was a thing. And she says, shut up, you miserable buzzard. And then my all caps, I fucking love her. And then she said, stoning people who piss you off is okay. They do in the Bible, don't they? My all caps, I love her. And then can of peas is the old soup for my family of the apocalypse. Those are my notes on her. It's so good. And then my next one is David's Wrigley eyebrows. Of yeah, despair. well, you don't know, remember what they move were. a lot, huh? Um, I don't know why I wrote this, but I wrote so it's just a giant box and one big octopus. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Huh. I don't know what I meant by that. Nor I. I but it was. I wrote it, so it, it must was, be true. It must be true. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's impossible scariest moments. So I'm gonna leave it. Uh-huh. Um, I wrote, I want to be this old woman when I get older. I want to be this woman. I, what's her name? Irene. Irene. I want to be Irene. And I, I'm like, maybe I will be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the way she said, I don't remember who said it, but someone says piss. Okay? Someone says the word piss. And the way they said it, I said, sounded like it took everything out of her. She said piss and full on wheezed. She was like, piss. Yes. <laughs> And I laughed so hard. She was like, all of this pills. Like, it sounded like she was, like, out of breath. And she was like, but I still have to say piss. I still have to say piss. I have to get piss oh. out. I'm sorry. Oh, God. It was a strained piss. It, it, we've all had a strained piss. We've all had a strained piss. <laughs> it was funny and I liked it. Oh, oh God. God. Um, any of the shots that are in the mist where you see things slightly. Um, I love that. This whole movie is obscured. I think that they they were right to do it on film because I wonder if they did it on like digital. Not only would it be too beautiful, but I wonder if the details would have been too detailed mm. and you would have seen more. We want it to be more like in the moment. You don't catch everything you yeah. see. Like things are hazy because mm-hmm. you're scared. Exactly. Like it's not just the mist. Like there's just so much you're not catching. And I think that's so great. I said I also like the music. Uh, it's terrible in a good way. Yes. It was... It was over the top, but it was the over the top I liked. Because I'm like, they would use it when nothing was happening. But when intense things were happening, it was like, no, we don't need it. I thought that was so great. They were like, they're driving a car and nothing's coming at them? Oh, yeah, put it on. (laughs) We need monks crying. We need it now. Cue the monks. (laughs) Cue the monks, guys. They're driving and it's (laughs) ominous. And I love that. I thought that was great. I mean, the lighting in this was nice. I mean, it felt natural. It felt relatively justified i mean they were never in an area where i was like it wasn't so unbelievable that i was angry i can't imagine a moment in the movie where i was like how 
How are you getting that light? I had one moment like what, that. Was it? When they're in the loading dock, the bay in the oh, back. That it was, was the, the Hollywood dark where it's like, it's blue to show that they can't see anything and they're like stumbling. Yeah. And it's like, we can You're see You're right, everything. they did stumble. Okay, that was the only one That then. pissed me off, but only because I was primed to notice that right. from the you previous film that we covered. I never note about that because yeah, I did notice that one. Because in Wreck, they very clearly, like, if you can't see, you, you can't, can't see. see. And, and I, in this, they were like, no, we want you to be able to see them struggling. And they're like, well, are you there, son? Yeah, and you're like, yeah. yeah. I think it's hard because they wanted this documentary look. But then you had so many factors that took it out of that that I was yeah. like, you didn't achieve that. And it almost kind of messes up the movie when you say that's what you wanted. And you look at it and you're like, well, you didn't get it. Mm-mm. But if you hadn't said that, I would have been like, all right, it's doing its own thing. Yeah. So yeah, that was the only moment I think where I was like, I wish you had kind of justified it a little more. Like safety lights that come on when the yeah. power goes out, anything. Like even but if it's red. I would have accepted like, that. Often like there are colors. Safety lights, lights are red. Yeah. Like, you know. But instead they or, did the, like that, that blue light or whatever the right. fuck. Where if they like, had like a light from the generator, like if the light was, if it was giving off, like my yeah. fan at night has a blue light on it. If it had been doing that, didn't. So yeah, that was a little bummer. Um. Okay, I had so many scariest moments. And then we can talk about the ending. Okay. Uh, let me check out... Because those are the rest of mine, so okay. I'm good. Uh, I'm, like, going through, and chronologically, I have, you can't fool me with calming jazz, I know shit is coming. <laughs> They're like, yes, yeah, the jazz. <laughs> uh, I really identify with the older woman. Mm-hmm. She talks about corporate handouts and building bombs. She's and I'm great. Like, Babe, you're not wrong. And then I said, I'm pretty sure that's Brendan Lee's mom on the closer. It is. That's Willie Ray. Really? Yeah. I grew up on the closer, all that good, good cro- propaganda. Uh, but yeah, you, you knew a celebrity. <laughs> I knew it. You looked it right at him, and you knew. I Proud can identify you. old white woman kind of okay sometimes. You did it, kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna get to the no. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, let me find this one. I'll like jump back to it, but I do need to confess my sins. <laughs> uh. He reminds me of Bill Paxton and the guy I always get Bill Paxton mixed up with, Dennis Quaid. This one I agree with you Thank on, though. You. He looks like a mix of both of those, like, people. I could see that. And I, like, real struggled with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, my actual next note after Brenda Lee's mom in the closer mm-hmm. is, something in the mistook John Lee has real troll in the dungeon vibes. And Harry Potter came out before this. And so I was like, were you inspired by Professor Quirrell? It's okay to say yes. <laughs> Someone took John Lee. We're all like, Joel, in the dungeon. Thought you ought to know. <laughs> he saw that and he went, I'll use that someday. Yeah. And I was like, which came first? The Mr. the Troll, you know? <laughs> who, who did? Say? What did? Um, then like David uses his flip phone light to light things. I'm like, remember when we used the screen instead of the built-in yes. flashlights on I'm just our like, phone? open it? Okay. Uh, let's see... If the day I need a friend like you, I'll have a little squat and shit went out. Like that, that line was a good line. Listen, I don't like that woman, but damn, she knows how to insult people. Yeah, I'll give her that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really did like was that throughout the film, they make a point of like phone lines are down, and it's reasonable because there was a storm. It's not just like for some reason the phones don't work. Yeah, but they have no idea how widespread it is, and so when they're going out, they're like, "We'll just drive until we can't drive anymore." Yeah, and you truly have no idea if it's the Eastern Seaboard, if it's that's the true, entire United States, it's if it's the world, and so the thing that happens in the end is made more understandable by the fact that 
they have no context and they the haven't extent of this and they haven't for the entire time you lose track of time in this a little bit too yeah when you said like oh after like a week i was like were they there a week i genuinely didn't know like i was like i started to just be like how's it been a day Two days? Three days? I don't know. How does time pass like this? That was wild. Uh, and then I just, I, it took me a minute to pinpoint where this was, but are you going to danger bang? Uh, it's. I know. Yeah. I was like, are you? I was like, nothing hotter than candles in the employee break room. I know. Uh, and then I identified strongly with uh, the bat creatures because like, I'm food motivated. I get it. Uh, it's true. They run in because they're like, oh, bugs. And I'm like, yeah, yum. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, don't get down on the bats. Like, I wrote, the poor bat baby is just nomming on a bug. The bugs are the one, like, hurting people. Oh, they're okay. biting. Well, none of them are above a little neck nibble. Yeah. <laughs> because at that point, then just the a bat little. did. Yeah, like, just a little neck nibble you know, for the road. Yeah. Pop in there. And then I, 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 when I had energy and, like, <laughs> inspiration... I was going to make an apocalypse situation bingo card for horror <laughs> films that cover apocalypse. I love that. Because we got rival factions, the compound is breached, mercy kill, think about the children. It's better to children. be it better to die than be killed. Like all of those things. I'll take it's my like, chances like in the beginning when it's like, I'll yeah. just go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I was going to make bingo cards for us both. And then things happened in my, my life. And I was like, Let's just talk about the bingo card. I'll do it later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Hattie died via pills, and I was like, I'll add that to the bingo card. <laughs> Go ahead and add the app. Uh-huh. And then Joe Eagleton, name a more American name or American I name. my mic. <laughs> Joe Eagleton. Eagleton. I, I was truly just like, hold on. I like paused it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. They're really ham-fisted on packing in the tropes, mm-hmm. where it's like their intent was to explore human nature, but it yeah. was just so over done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. They had some damn good lines. Welcome to Sesame Street. Today's word of the day is expiation. It was great. I fucking love that. Uh, when Carmody dies, she has the Christ arms. Yes, she does. That's like a thing that you just fucking look for is yep. like the Christ arms. Uh, okay. This was very dumb. Oh, no. When they get into Bill Paxton's car, mm-hmm. David's car. Right. Bill Paxton. Uh, they have, like, all the headlights on it, and they turn. They make a turn in the parking lot and go past the door window. Yeah. They're moving very slowly because it's misty, fog right. safety. But for a minute, I thought the last 20 minutes of the movie were them doing slow circles in the parking lot. Just donuts. Just like the slowest donuts in the world. Incredible. <laughs> because I was like, have you already done that? Are, are you just looping back you again? Going? Are you around? just bragging? Just going around? Like, they were just like, we're in the car, idiots. <laughs> like, Don't you wish you were here, bitches? Gideon, loser, we're dying. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I really like, I checked the time. I was like, is this the last 20? <laughs> And then they actually do go places. They so do. I was like, oh, there's mom in the doorway, ready to greet the guests. That part. Yeah, I didn't talk about that. That was yeah. good. And I was like, that at was least good. he doesn't have to get out of the car for the drive-through trauma. At least they, like, I'm honestly surprised they went back. I'm not oh, surprised, yeah. but, like, after all they've been through, to be like, maybe. That just shows how much hope a family can have sometimes. Yeah. 
not necessarily earned hope, <laughs> but just hope. Like, yeah, that was just like, I have to check. I mean, I would have done the yeah. same thing. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, oh, my mom's been out there the whole time. I, I just got to look. Yeah. Even though I'd be like, there's giant spiders and this and that and bats and bugs. I'd be like, you just got to look. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's like something that a lot of folks really talked about in like the reviews and stuff was if the Green Mile is about the importance of holding out hope, then this is about how catastrophic it can be when you lose hope. Yeah. With the ending. And so like with this in mind, my last real note, because after this point it was just oh fuck shit no are they going to oh wait like it was just a lot of those yeah. it wasn't like very because you didn't know the ending going no. in right I didn't yeah know. see um, i was lucky enough i i did and i was like yeah okay so before the ending the last real note i have is the trauma carousel is more of a drive-through carryout yeah and then i got into the ending, <sighs> the ending. so we can talk the ending now if you want yeah the ending i this is probably a controversial opinion I like the ending. I find value in it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that I'm like, yeah. It I'm just saying that I'm like, this feels real. Out of all of the moments in this movie, the heightened emotion and the screaming. and the, I'm like, now I get it. Yeah. I'm like, you can do that now. Yes. The way he was acting, I wasn't like, that's over the top. No. I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, because like. And it also felt very real in that moment, too, yeah. to be like, you've established their characters and you've established that, like, they're going to die their way yeah. or they're going to die trying or they've said it so many times. Yeah. No one can say that. No. And when she goes, nobody yeah. can say that. Yeah. That part got me. I was like, oh, they really can't. You tried so yeah. hard. And it's like, if your option is to die quickly of your own choosing or be hollowed out by spiders while you're still right. living. And to watch that happen, potentially, to a bunch of other people that you, mm -hmm. because of shared circumstance or because of your life, you care about deeply. You want that? And he made that promise, like, to his son. Yeah. He was like, don't let the monsters get me. And he was like, all right, well, I'll do anything before that happens. Yeah. Like, I think that's when people should have known, like, nothing good's going to happen. Oh, no. Literally, as soon as he promised that, I had a note. And I was like, oh, beloved. Yeah. Like, that's what's so, going to happen in this case, is that he is going to kill his son to protect him from a worse fate. Yeah. I knew. So, like, I think it's a, I think it's a deserved ending. I think that they worked towards it well. Like, I don't, people hated it, I'm sure. Like, even Stephen King was like, it's not from the book. This is, like, an ending that the director decided yeah. upon. Stephen King said he loved the movie yeah. the ending and he wished he'd written it. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> It's no, a lot of movies won't do that, especially horror movies that are relatively, I don't want to say basic, but yeah. you know what I mean? That's like, actually a thing that Frank Darabont went through was that he shopped this to a lot of places and they said, okay, you can have this huge budget. You have to change the ending. You can't do that. And he's like, he's no, like, the no. ending is uncompromising. Like, and I will not do this. so glad that he so did that. <laughs> he took a much tighter budget yeah. so he could keep his ending. And honestly, I think it works. I think seeing the monsters less, I think having less special effects and this and that, I think it works because yeah. he focused on the people. Whether that was his intent from the beginning or whether that was a budget thing, yeah. I don't care. I think it worked really well. The ending bums me the fuck out. Yep. I think it is justified within oh, this film. Oh, it's so justified. So I'm like very much on the side of like, I think that is the proper ending for this yeah. movie. I don't like it because it hurts, but it's not like a critique of it. No. I think it. I think that that's right a good ending thing. for the film. It made me feel a lot of things. And I don't like that. If you hate <laughs> it because it's like too sad or you hate it because it's whatever, 
then it did its job. Yeah. I think. I mean, if you hate it because it's not how you would have shot it, then whatever. Do what you want. Yeah. But I love this ending. I, I mean, we can say what the ending is. I don't know if, if someone hasn't watched it. I mean, yeah, I the mean, whole point <laughs> of the movie is that, like, there's five we people in this car. We've given away shockingly few spoilers We really have. I'm like, I could go spoiler free and just not tell you what yeah. happens, but... Uh, spoiler alert we are about to reveal the ending of this film if you would like to like watch this film now that we've talked it up yeah then go for it but i'm about to say what happened yeah um but yeah like they've got the five bullets or the four four bullets bullets, five five people people. and uh and they all the important thing is that all of the adults in the car look at each other and they all agree on what they want yeah they all provide consent that is child who was asleep until the last second and that's the thing though is i'm like what would you you can't leave the child by themselves so i'm like want the child to experience as little fear and pain as possible exactly it's like this is not a choice i could ever make no so it becomes this moment of like do you ask this kid what they want or do you make this choice because the choice that they could choose could one get you all killed in a horrible way yeah or cause this kid some horrendous emotional damage so like God, I could never. I could I never. I could never. No. And um, the fact that they did, David, I think he's such an interesting character. Yeah. He's not played super well, but I do think he's such an interesting character because yeah. he's not amazingly heroic. He's not super strong or amazing at any one thing. He's just a guy who was like, I'm willing to fight for my kid. I'm yeah. willing to fight for my family and I'll do what I have to do. And God, it shows in this moment because yeah. when he does it, he shoots everybody in the car, including yeah. his son. And obviously doesn't have a bullet for himself. He tries. And that is like the hardest part. There aren't any. He still tries. There's no rational like thought left in that brain. I mean, he is just, I would like to not be alive. Everything in his world has come crumbling down. And then he gets out of the car and screams for these monsters that he knows, be it based on this entire film, that they are there and they will get him pretty quick. And then nothing comes, but then the army comes. And they are clearing things out. They have and low if, torches and they have trucks of survivors. And if they had waited not Two even minutes. 10 minutes, like five minutes, maybe less, he would have his son if and they all the people slower. in the car. They've driven slower. If he had hesitated. Oh, it's a rough ending, guys. It's really <laughs> fucking rough. But I think that that's good. I, th- You know me. I like the sad stuff. So I'm always like, hurt me. Like, yeah. do it. It's okay. Like, yeah. So I, I thought it was good. I finished the ending. I was like... That was a justified ending mm-hmm. within the film universe. I need to not feel these things now. I'm going to go watch my comfort show. Yes. Oh, same. I watched this during the day. So it was like 11, 11 a.m. And I was like, good way to start my day. And then immediately had to go do something else. And I was like, thank God I had something yeah. else to do. Because yeah. this is a rough one. And like, I do want to just like quickly bring up the theory that some people have. Because I don't. I'm not interested in this. Oh, theory I don't know at all. this theory. It's that Carmody was right, and that the sacrifice of the son had to be what ended it, and that only after he killed his son, no. the mist cleared. I was like, no, no, I really don't find no. like if you want, like if that's the reading you want to take from it, go for it. To me personally, that is not the reading. I'm, I'm taking. like Stephen King in this moment. I'm like, if that's what you took from it, okay, it's not right. Like, <laughs> I am very much not interested no. in the theory that there is a vengeful god that requires the blood of a child. No. Oh, I, I think it's pretty well established that this is like yeah. alternate universes and it yes. was stuff that the army messed with that they weren't ready yeah. to mess with. And it's just like and the ultimate like folly of impatience, if yeah. you even want to call it that. But Something. it's all just like, so human. It's yeah. not other it's not otherworldly in the sense that it's godly. Yeah. It's just every 
every humans issue in this film comes from humans doing things that humans do. Yeah. It, like the soldiers, I mean, they know that they fucked up, but it's from orders. It's not something they've done personally, but they know that yeah. they're part of this corporation that fucks stuff up. So they're yeah. devastated. Yeah. And I think that is so human and so interesting to watch. Yeah. And so it's like there is the theory that Carmody was right no, in the fuck end, Carmody. and I'm just like truly not interested in talking. You can believe about that. It. I'm not interested in that. I don't care about yeah. that. No, I think the I think watching humans do things that humans would do in stressful situations yeah. is just more interesting. Yes. Then, yeah. The only time I will listen to this kind of theory is frailty. That one, I'm like, that's interesting. That's interesting. That one I don't understand, and I want to think about more. I have a lot of thoughts about frailty, right? <laughs> but this one, I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> I won't hear it. Um. I like the ending. It's justified. Yeah. I think it's good. Scariest moment. Scariest moment. Let me look at my notes. If you have yours, go for it. I have wrote down five. I really had a hard time with this. And so I just chose a jump scare yeah. that got me. Which is like what happens in these movies where like unsettling versus like yeah. jump versus like scary. And so like my moment, like I knew it was coming. Like I knew, I predicted the jump scare and it still got me a little bit. Yeah. Like I still jumped a little bit even though it's I still like, coming. It's still like, Yeah. yeah. It's when, before the giant bugs are landing on the windows, yeah. you have people, like, camped out behind the big kibble bags. Yeah. And you see this guy, like, eating a sandwich, whatever, and then you see, like, a little bug, and it gets bigger and bigger, and then, thunk, it's on the glass. Oh, I hate when bugs thunk on Yeah. Them. And so it's like, oh, okay. That's a good one. And it's like, I saw it coming. Yeah. But it was still, like, a jolt. Ugh. Um, my scariest moment, um, it's, so it was between Carmody giving her speech at the end before she's, like, murdered, because that's very scary. Yeah. But the one that kind of got me the most is when they are in the car, and it's that giant creature. Yeah. Um, it doesn't do anything. That's what scares me the most, is that, like, they're tiny to them. These things don't give a shit. Mm -mm. Like, um... And it's them driving and not, they've only seen like, what, three different kind of creatures, whatever. So they don't know what's out there. Then they see that. Can you imagine you being like, oh, there's bugs, there's spiders, and there's these things. All there's things, something with tentacles. We don't know what right. the tentacles are attached to. All things that I've been able to hit or burn or do something with. And then to see that and go, what the fuck do I do with that? What if that gets me? I think that's what drives the ending. Yeah. I mean, not saying that that creature is what drives this whole ending, but yeah. I'm like, can you imagine seeing all these horrible creatures and then seeing that one and going, oh, I'm up against that too? No, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I think that that is so... What hope do I have? Oh, yeah. I think if there could be worse than this out right. there. Oh, I think that drains all hope. Yeah. I think that it was just so soul-sucking in that moment that I was like, I can't picture a scarier moment than looking up and seeing that. And you're just like, keep driving. Ugh. So, yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, are you ready for tropes? Yes. Okay. I know. I'm ready. So, like, as I mentioned it earlier, I felt like There's I was checking lot. off boxes yeah. on Apocalypse Bingo. Like, I seriously started listing them out, going to make the bingo card. And, like, that is not inherently a critique because tropes are tools. Right. I fucking love horror films that are explorations of the genre and unabashedly trope it up. Right. That being said, we have talked about how we feel like a lot of it was overwrought. Yeah. So I divided my tropes into three separate subsections. Mm-hmm. One of them was, uh, well, maybe four. There was a miscellaneous category. <laughs> uh, we'll start with miscellany. Yeah. But miscellany was just like, 
the fun things that I really liked yeah, from I was this. Like, okay. And then there was like what makes this film much darker. Yeah. Or like what makes it very grim. Mm-hmm. And then I have just like the classic right. creature slash apocalypse films. And then I have specifically comedy stuff. Okay. We'll start with comedy because I hate her. Um, comedy <laughs> is what I said. Comedy. Uh, so these are just all tropes about her. Right. So we have first off evil Luddite. Mm-hmm. Luddites are folks that hate technology, that distrust, yeah, or yeah. just like, no, no tech. So she has her, like, screed about, like, why would we have, um, oh, shit. She mentions, like, a few actual, like, tech items, and then she has a stem cells abortion. And it's, it's just really funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, because she lists two actual items of tech and then includes those. And I was like, okay, yeah, evil Luddite, sure. Um, from <laughs> Nobody to Nightmare. It's Ooh, like that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like they are just a person in this city, and then they become the she big like bad. Builds and builds and builds. Yep, she's good at good storylines. I hate. To I say thought it. she was good. Her acting, I liked because she's supposed to be over the top. She's supposed I to be over the top. Her. And she scared me. From someone that grew up in a place that has like more churches than anything else, like church on every corner. It's not that unheard of for people. You've to act seen like that. people like this. Yeah, like, I was like. Florida had people like this too, and it's not that. The way she was acting, I wasn't like, "This is unbelievable." I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> like it's like, "No, I've I've seen some of that, and it's scary." So yeah, <laughs> like when I was watching, I was like, "I need to not with her," <laughs> right? I was like, "Oh, you're too much." Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a hate sink, and hate sinks are people that kick the dog. Like they're the people oh, that like yeah. there is no redeeming quality. Their entire purpose is to be loathed. Yeah, and that is it. Like, everything they do is vile. It's scary when a character has that trope, and then they're supposed to be something that leads other people. That's fucking scary. her other trope, holier than thou. Because, (sighs) yep. Because she positions herself as that when she says, if I need a friend like you, I'll shit one out. Right. She positions herself as, like, I am above this. And when she has her whole, like, prayer montage, she's like, I know most want to, like, bathe in the lake of fire forever, but if some, if I can save one person, then I earn my place in heaven. Right. Yeah. Uh, human sacrifice. She invokes it. God. Uh, humans are the real monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hypocrite. Yup. <laughs> I love that that's a trope. I know. And then the last trope I have for Carmody, there were literally like a hundred Oh, I'm sure. Uh, the last one I have for her is, would hurt a child. <laughs> yeah, she would. Absolutely. Yeah. She's like, I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> I don't give a shit about kids. Oh, God. Uh, the miscellany tropes. Yeah. Combat tentacles. Yep. Love it. Tentacles that do harm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool old guy and cool old lady. We love those too. Love them. They made me so happy. I know. Okay. Um, let's see. The darkness. So this would be bottomless magazines. And this oh, okay. is averted tragically because like <laughs> if you have like endless ammo, like no one's counting. But in several films, we've had it where counting accurately is actually very like. Green Room is incredible. Oh, God. Green Room and the host oh, were counting bullets. so good. Integral. And tragic when you're wrong. <laughs> uh, so like this was, it averted the trope. By having very limited <sighs> magazines. Where it's like, yeah! Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Uh, then we have the cavalry arrives late. Mm. And tragically utilized. Yep. That's why this was kind of like my tragedy section of tropes. Yeah. Uh, cruel and unusual death. The MP being literally turned inside out by spiders. Yeah. A uh, cruel twist ending. I don't feel the need to explain that. <clears throat> yeah, we're good. Uh, and then these are two different adaptation-related tropes. Darker and edgier mm-hmm. and bloodier and gorier. Yeah. 
the movie Absolutely. was a lot of those things. Yes. Uh, so eaten alive is it's, it's, it's a trope that doesn't need to be explained. It's that like, life. That's one of those things where there's a trope called I'd rather be no what is it I'd rather die than be killed. Yeah. And it's like they don't want to be devoured slowly or in reverse Just order. Just give me a quick. Yep. Uh, and then. This one is actually kind of Carmody, but kind of not. It's right for the wrong reasons. <laughs> it's like, she is correct that if people go to the pharmacy, they will die, but she's not. But duh. Like, duh. Going out into a dangerous place with very little knowledge of what's there and no preparation. It's like if I said, if you go in that rain, you're going to get wet. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. yeah. It's like saying, if you go out in the rain, your shoes will be uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's like attributing like it's not because like your shoes will shrink on your feet. It's because the rain made them soggy and that made it uncomfortable. It's a product of the rain. It's not because your shoes decided to shrink to half right. their size. She's not saying anything that's incredible. She's just saying something that yeah, yeah, duh, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, okay, so then this is just kind of like the classic like. This is what you get in a beautiful horror sandwich. Yeah. Uh, so we have all webbed up. Yeah. The invocation yep, 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 yep. of giant spiders. Uh, mm. Another dimension. Obviously. Love that. Attack of the monster appendage. This is connected to combat tentacles. Right. Obviously. Yeah. 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 Uh, better to die than be killed. Yeah. Talked about it. Bloody handprint. Where oh yeah. We have that. Where it's just like perfectly <clears throat> on the glass. Look what you've done. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Um. <laughs> Then we have the classic ankle drag. Oh, we love an ankle drag. Classic ankle drag, Just hand whoop. out, being like, no. Please don't. Dragged into the I'm mist. gonna. <laughs> yeah. But what if I did? But what if I did? <laughs> uh, Cassandra Truth. It's a staple in monster movies. Yeah. Where it's like this one person, I saw the tentacles. You have to believe me. And they're like, shut up. You <laughs> fool. Uh, let's see. Uh, gory discretion shot. We get this a lot. We get yeah. it in the car scene. Yeah. We don't get it most of the other points in the movie. They are pretty graphic a lot of the other times. Yeah. But in the car scene, they go outside the car when he makes the shots, and then they come back, and you just see kind of a little bit of the aftermath. Yeah. It's grim. Uh, government conspiracy. Another staple in monster movies or apocalypse scenarios. Kill it with fire. In this case... It was actually effective. I know. And, and it's, it's usually too not. Late. It's usually like you like set it on fire and you're like, this will do it. It's and then it usually rises like a out realization or yeah, like it's usually like that. It's not effective or it's a realization where you're like, fire will kill it. And now you're just like, fire will kill it. Like, mm-hmm. oh God. Yep. Uh, ominous fog. <laughs> what else is No. There? Uh, skyward scream. Yeah. Ominously cut tether. Mm. We knew. Like, as soon as the biker went out there, I was like, you will get a body part and They're blood. They're pulling it back, and I'm like, that's just a waste. It's like, as they are, Ugh. like, as soon as they tied it to him, I was like, what happens is that the line will go taut, and then mm-hmm. it will go slack. They will pull it in. There will be blood, and then there will there be will body parts. There will only be pieces. Yes. And it's like, okay, I'm I'm happy I was right, I guess. Right. Um, Let's see. My last one is my favorite. Food chain of evil. <laughs> yeah classic. remember the meg where the squid is trying to crush the submersible but then the meg eats it yes or jurassic world when the big bad dino is eaten by a bigger badder water dino <laughs> yeah one of my favorite things in the entire world is the food chain of evil it's just funny yeah. being like not the bugs and then the bats eat the bug and you're yeah. like not the bats like not the bats <laughs> oh shit it's like ah oh, saved 
And that ties into the trope, always a bigger fish, if the humans are saved by the predator killing their original tormentor, even if it's temporary. So you're like, you're oh, like, the bugs, you. the bats are here. Oh, the bats are here. Exactly. It's a moment of reprieve. And then you're like, ah, fuck. Oh, I shit it. <laughs> I just love it. It's always like funny and horrible, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's my favorite trope that we came across. Oh, that's a good one. Truly, like, this movie is just like Dang, it's got so in many film form. So yeah, are we ready to rate this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know mine. I had, well, we have to choose the scale. Oh shit! I had only two ideas. What was your idea? Bloody tethers and neck nibbles. Mine was neck nibbles. Neck nibbles. We gotta do neck nibbles. We have to. It was just great when he was yeah. like, just, just a little oh, neck nibble for the table. For, for the table. Come on, do you need a neck nibble? Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gotta be neck nibbles. Yeah. Um. Okay. Do you want to do a three, two, one? You know yours. I know mine. I, I don't know why I like. Okay. I've just been feeling this in my heart, and I'm going with my heart, okay? I'm going with my heart. Okay. I'm going with my heart. Three, two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we both chose yeah. three. Yeah. yeah. Three neck nibbles. Three neck That's six full neck nibbles. Yeah. A nice even neck nibble. Yeah, we love even numbers. Oh, God. Um, I mean, mine's, you know, I, I think we've already covered everything yeah. that, like, is the reason why. I think it's an interesting film. Everything's relatively justified, I yeah. think. Like, the way that the people act... The relationships are established really well. They don't show monsters too much or too little. Like, it's great. Yeah. It's just the acting. Yeah. I think the acting is kind of over the top. And I think that, I think that, like, some of it is a little too much. And yeah, some of the characters are a little one-dimensional. The kid. Um, yeah, that's it. I yeah. mean, I don't really have any huge qualms except for the fact that, like, most people are white. Yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to love this kid because, what, he's the classic American yeah. dream. He's a white kid. I get it. Yeah. Stupid. Um, that's it. I mean, that's really it. I just, I think it's a really interesting movie. Yeah. I just think the acting is funky. Yeah. And some of the writing. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I gave it three neck nibbles Mm -hmm. as well because, like, as you said, like, it's an enjoyable film. Yeah. But to me, it is very much, like, it hand feeds you everything they want you to think about. Yeah. And I like to kind of have to chew and mull it over. I like to have to read into human, like, Like, conditions. Like, I want to have to work a little bit in order yeah. to like tease out people's motivations and this everything called its own shot oh yeah and it, like it had some great one-liners but the characters were overwrought until like the last scene because that was very justified right but like it just there was a lot that took me out of it yeah the acting of david drayton took me out of it the like <laughs> zooms yeah those took me out of it so it's like i enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. i'll watch it again but, like, I am not considering this, like, a cinematic masterpiece because I have seen other movies that accomplish what this does but do it better. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's, like, you can have a movie that incisively critiques human tragedy and emotion and, like, how we react in the worst scenarios and they just do it better. <laughs> yeah. Something's got to give. Yeah. Like, if you're going to hand feed me everything and make it, like, super obvious what's happening, yeah. at least make it very human. Yeah. Like, I, I need to, like, You have to believe. give me something else. Yes. Like, I'm like, if that's going to be your biggest mistake in the movie, then I have to at least love the way that they're acting and feel very, like, yeah. yes, they're very real in this. Yeah. But it's not. It's yeah. like, you're hand feeding me this plot, but also they're just, they're just so over the top that I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So. And, like, my only qualm... Like that I can think of right now is the way they handled Norton, Brent Norton. Yeah. Because I 
really didn't like that they made the first antagonist in the film be a black man in a town full of white folks. Because, like, they set him up as, like, he is, like, logic to death. Yes. (laughs) And they also set him up very unfavorably with the way that, like, the land dispute occurred. Yeah. And... I just don't really think the way that they engaged with his character is super responsible. No, it felt like they were using him to make David a hero. Yes. Where it was like, oh, his neighbor has done all these shitty things, but look how nice David is to him still. Yeah. And I was like, and then, this is a black man in a very white town who is not respected. Like, no. I, I don't like, I don't feel bad for no. David. I'm sorry. No. And it's like, <sighs> when he's like, I don't believe you, you're of course tricking me like I'm not that stupid I just wasn't sure what the director and not director but like what the intent was in that scene because me I'm like he shouldn't trust them yeah why would he believe them in any world but I was afraid that the audience was being set up to have disdain for that character I could feel like I could be wrong but in a way it almost felt like they were like patting themselves on the back to be like we had a character who's really smart and is a lawyer and he's black like and it was like that's not unheard of. Why are you... And obviously they're like, well, he's white in the book. And it's like, okay, but you also made him kind of hate it. Like, and disrespected and like he's set up to be this person we don't trust or we don't like or whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. And he's supposed to be the reason that shit goes south kind of immediately and like, it felt like a weird, look at us, look what we did, but also don't like him. It's like, we don't see color. We'll recast a white person as a black person right? and put them as a villain early on. Yeah. So it was so. kind of like, oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things that like, when we already don't have like equitable representation in yeah. film, I'm just always very skeptical when they say, I want my first antagonist to be a person of color. Right. Cause I'm like, you had all these people. That's when you chose. Like really odd. Yeah. That's my yeah. qualm. But that's yeah. why yeah, a three. I yeah. think it's a, I think yeah. it's good. Respectable. Six total neck nipples. It's good. It's a fun party movie. Yeah. Have a good time. I'd have fun with it. I'd watch it with friends and be like, interesting, right? Yeah. Not maybe not the end at the party, but Yeah, no, we stop it halfway we through. We skip. Yeah. We skip. I'm rearranging. We're like, oh no, the last twenty minutes is them doing donuts in the parking lot, and then we turn off the film. And that's how it ended. And that's how it ended. <laughs> you can just loop that like twenty second clip of them turning in circles. I'm gonna edit a version that's just credits it. rolling. Yep. <laughs> over them doing the Uh-huh. And we'll everyone would be happy. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. Anyway, that wraps up our discussion. That wraps it up. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed your time with us. We would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find us. It's also just cool to see what you have to say about the show. You can also rate and review anywhere. Yeah. But Apple Podcasts is apparently the one that helps it's people find one, us. the one, I guess. It's the one. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go With It, where every Wednesday we'll post the movie for the week. Yeah. We'll post the no context quote. Mm-hmm. We will have engaging topics such as Are please. you a, one of Norton's normies, the Bible's bitches, or, or Tentacle Team? Tentacle Team. Let us know. Let please. us know. I gotta know. You have to know. You can also check out our extended show notes on our website, justgoolwithitpod.com, or maybe even take a look at our Patreon. Speaking at, of, oh, this is Patreon pick. This is a pa- oh, fuck me running. We always forget to say we it till the end. We always forget to but say it. But in our defense, like, this one got delayed, so it yeah. was kind of like, oh, yeah. sorry, patrons, we're so sorry, but yeah. speaking of patrons, they're very understanding. Oh, the patrons chose it. We had, like, we wanted to do Sci-Fi September. Yeah. Uh, Which was and- actually suggested by a patron. Like, one of our patrons yeah. was like, oh, you could do, like, Sci-Fi mm-hmm. September. And yeah. we were like, 
yeah, we could. I was like, no, that sounds dope. Let's do we it. Love that. <laughs> and so we put forward like some pretty cool options and they were like, the mist. Yeah. And we were, and like, we were like, okay, that's what you want. Yeah, so good. I mean, thank you, patrons. And also thank you for being understanding, too. Because it's a patron pick, and it was delayed, and we were like, we're really sorry. And they were all like, no worries. Yeah, I I posted in the Discord, like, hey, this is the reason it's delayed. And they were like, we love you. Be safe. And I was like, thank you. Everyone was so nice. (laughs) Everyone was so kind. So, yeah. Join the Patreon. Uh, So you can take a look at your Patreon if you'd like to be among their ranks at patreon.com slash justcoolwithit. And we'd like to take this opportunity to thank our beautiful, lovely, gorgeous patrons. So understanding. Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, Janice, and Brian. Yay! Our patrons are the best. They're so amazing. We have a ghoulish weekend coming up because of like time things and just stuff (laughs) happening. So like we have, we're like editing the episode and getting it Uh all ready on Friday. And then Saturday we have our horror stream Uh where we play a video game live and it's going to be a mess. And then Sunday we have our Sima watch. Uh So... Get ready, patrons. Um, <laughs> it's a ghoulish weekend ahead indeed. It is. So if you ever want to join that, it's a fun time. It's a fun time, yeah. It is. Uh, the intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccozella. The cover art, it's by your very own Nikki Solomon. What? That I heard she's part of the tentacle team. <laughs> I heard she's a normie. How dare you? <laughs> as long as I'm not a Bibles, bitches. I would it's never mine. say that. I about would never. You. I would never say about you. Thank you. You're welcome. It's the nicest oh thing. God, stop. I'm gonna end it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs>